Tonight's episode of the Tuesday Night Cigar Club is brought to you by Drew Estate. Come experience the rebirth of cigars at www.drewestate.com and download the free Drew Diplomat smartphone app today to discover nearby retailers, RSVP to special events, redeem points to win exclusive Drew Estate merchandise, and much, much more. and Sisters of the Leaf, coming to you live once again from, well, all over the fucking place, it's the Tuesday Night Cigar Club. Tonight the boys congregate via live video. Thanks coronavirus, you giant, never-ending asshole, to discuss the 2021 French horror comedy, Girls with Balls, paired with a 100% American cigar called The American. From J.C. Newman Cigar Company. Not only does this cigar feature all-American tobaccos, folks, but the cigar box, cigar labels, and even the cellophane are all produced here in the grand old U.S. of A. The only thing this evening's cigar is missing is tiny, tiny chunks of country-western music superstar Toby Keith sprinkled inside every stogie. Oh, and our favorite crew of inebriated numbnuts will be drinking an embarrassing, I mean, incredibly patriotic amount of American craft beers as well. So go plant old glory in your front yard, put on your favorite pair of cut-off jean shorts, crank up your speakers, and get ready to party, everybody. Let's all sit back together, light them up, and enjoy the fucking show. Good evening, fellas. Evening. Everybody uh, oh, nice and recovered from our big hunting excursion over the weekend? Yeah, yes. I had to drink a gallon of water to get hydrated again, but you're good. Uh, well, the day after our hunt, I uh, found myself at the breakfast table pounding down as much coffee as humanly possible to somewhat function like a human being. And I was reading the news, and I came across this headline in Newsweek magazine that even in my hungover uh, completely out of my mind state. I was like, I got to share this with the boys. Get this for a headline. How can I not share this? Man uses live eel to cure constipation. Nearly dies. Uh, this was in News, Newsweek, a reputable uh, magazine. Okay. Here's the story as reported by Annabelle Dolliner. I'll give credit where credit is due. These are her words. Take this story as a lesson of what not to do under any circumstances ever. 
A man in China has been hospitalized after using a live eel, which he inserted up his anus and into his rectum to cure his case of constipation. According to the Chinese Global Times, the unnamed man located in the Chinese city of Xinhua, maybe? It starts with an X, so that's a Z sound, right? Yeah. Xinhua put the 20-centimeter or 7.87-inch eel in his anus as recommended by a purported folk remedy, quote. The eel, however, had plans other than relieving the man's uncomfortable medical condition. Upon reaching his rectum, the eel headed towards his colon and bit it, entering the abdomen, reported reported the Chinese news outlet. Oh, it gets worse, but... No. Remarkably, this is not the first instance of eels being used in this peculiar way. Suggesting the purported remedy is somewhat well-known, albeit never recommended by professionals, in 2017, one man tried the folk remedy at his friend's recommendation, uh, according to Men's Health magazine. In that case, the 49-year-old man was rushed to the hospital where doctors performed an emergency surgery to remove the eel. When they asked him how the eel had gotten into a system, he told them it swam up there by itself. (laughs) before eventually confessing he had put it there himself. Men's Health added there is zero scientific evidence to back up that an eel will do anything for your digestive system except wreak total havoc. I thought it was weird because we've we've got all these mental midgets in the news right now, like taking horse drugs for COVID and all this stuff. And it's like, you know, man, what a bunch of idiots. And I'm like, "Eh, at least we're not shoving eels up their asses. Anyway, to go on. The most recent incident in Xinhua appears quite similar to those that came before it. The man reportedly experienced abdominal pain for about a day, but was too shy to see the doctor. Eventually, he headed to the hospital and had the slithering sea creature removed. And it was just in the nick of time. The doctor who performed the surgery said he could have lost his life as the bacteria in the large intestine may cause hemolysis when it reaches his abdominal cavity. The eel was reportedly still alive at the time of the removal. Mm. Constipation is a common condition, and there are several effective remedies for it that don't include the use of live animals. Some include eating more fruits and vegetables, drinking warm water, and investing in a squatty potty. So I read this as I'm sitting there eating my granola and drinking my fourth cup of coffee. (laughs) I had never considered sticking a live eel up my ass whenever I'm constipated. Have you guys? Not once. No. So here's where the TNCC will contribute something good for the benefit of society for once. If you're feeling constipated, rather than heading down to the local aquarium and snatching an eel from the tanks, just spend a Sunday afternoon and an evening with your favorite podcast crew on a dove hunting trip. After eight hours straight of consuming over a dozen IPAs, copious amounts of scotch, three or four different flavors of Doritos and at least five spicy jalapeno sausage wraps, you will have zero, absolute zero constipation issues the following day. I guarantee it because I then quickly breakfast table and ran, well, kind of shuffled very quickly, not walked to the bathroom and all was well with your boy at about five minutes later. You're welcome. Everybody. There's your new folk remedy. It is true. Those taco sausages are yummy. Glad to help. That's what we're here for. Glad to help. 
And unlike yeah. and unlike China, no animals were hurt in the process, including the doves we were out hunting because you guys didn't shoot anything. <laughs> per per the norm. Uh, welcome everybody to the Tuesday Night Scar Club episode 145. I'm like a drunken, much smarter Dr. Oz. Where's my TV show? Mm. But are you a real doctor? And hey. I use real with quotes. His answer to everything is like elderberries and green tea. <laughs> Mine, mine's, mine's Doritos and scotch. I'll tune into that. <laughs> American hero? I don't know. That's not for me to say, boys. That's for you to say if you want to. I'll, I'll say it later. Oh, God. Oh. Well, that's not a good sign. Oh. Oh, Jesus. Made by squill, squeezed eel juice. <laughs> oh, God. There's a live sea serpent in my beer. <laughs> Uh, you know what? I'm just going to pour this beer up my ass and see what happens. Uh, I got an Ingro toenail, and I heard somewhere that this could help. That, that face you made looks like it's, it's going to work. Holy shit. This is a... Okay. Uh, well, folks, before we get to the beers, I want to talk a little bit about tonight's cigar. Uh, what we do here every week, folks, is we uh, pair a premium cigar with hopefully... <laughs> Some delicious craft beers. Uh, really wouldn't hurt to maybe drink one before the show just to uh, just to test the waters. So we pair the beer and the cigar with a feature film. We make them all work together in some kind of symbiotic pairing way. Uh, we've been doing this for 145 fucking episodes now. Six years, going on seven years we've been doing this. And uh, first up, I usually introduce you guys to the cigar. So I'm going to go ahead and do that. The cigar is the American. How do you like that name? American. The American by J.C. Newman Cigar Company. Not a American. The The American. American. Uh, It is a five and a half by 56. This big boy is called a double Robusto. Uh, The wrapper is Florida Sun Grown. Binder is Connecticut Broadleaf. And the filler is Connecticut Havana and Pennsylvania Mennonite tobacco. More on that in a minute. As Pennsylvania always, Mennonite. That's also a word for Amish folks, Tut. Well, they're they're a branch of it or a sect of it. I right, believe. but I, I I think you know where I'm going with this. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'll save the price point for last, of course, so we don't let it influence us as we smoke. The American was the first cigar rolled with Florida sun-grown wrapper, and grown in Claremont, Florida. Hey, we've been we've been to that farm. The binder, the binder is Connecticut Broadleaf, grown by eighth-generation family farmer John Foster. Wait, we've been to that one. We've been to that farm. And get this, the filler is a blend of Foster's Connecticut Havana tobacco with tobaccos grown by the Mennonites in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. And we've been to like, that farm. It's like I know every part of this cigar, personally. How about that? Thanks to the Drew State Barn Smoker Program, of which we traveled and partied with them for two years straight and learned a lot, we have set foot in every tobacco field responsible for tonight's cigar. That's pretty cool. It is. That is that is really cool, actually. Yeah, when I read that, I was just like, wait a minute, I've been there. Wait a minute. It was crazy. <laughs> uh, 
with a with a thicker ring gauge, the double robusto also has an extra leaf of Pennsylvania Lajero tobaccos, making it the strongest of the American cigars. That's why it's the American. Okay. Oh, and uh, get this. This is it gets better. If you're a patriotic flag waving son of a bitch like I am, all of the packaging from the wood in the cigar boxes to the paper on the labels to the cellophane that protects each cigar is made in the United States as well. God bless them. Cigar enthusiasts who visit J.C. Newman's 111-year-old cigar factory in Tampa, Florida, can see the American being rolled on the tables and learn about the history of American cigar making in the J.C. Newman J.C. Newman Cigar Museum. I don't believe we've ever smoked an American Puro. I, I know we haven't. But what better time now tonight than when we're going to be talking about a French film? <laughs> perfect. Absolutely that's, perfect. That's how we roll, folks. I, I am a little curious at the, at listen, the pairing, but I'll, I'll, I'll be patient. Listen, Tut. Volleyball, the subject of tonight's film, was invented in 1895 by William G. Morgan... <laughs> Physical director of the Young Men's Christian Association, ever hear the YMCA, in Holyoke, Massachusetts. Holy Holyoke. Last time I checked, Massachusetts was in America. That is correct. I believe William G. Morgan, the guy who invented volleyball, was an American. So there you go. My expert level pairing status remains secure for... One more episode. <laughs> oh, it's got a real, it's got a real leathery aroma on the wrapper, doesn't it? And then it's just a really dense, rich sweetness on the foot. I was about to say, I'm definitely picking up that sweetness. I almost thought it was a little chocolatey. But off the wrapper itself, I mean, I'm just getting a really nice leather. Um, but man, that foot is just to me, it's just very sugary. And I like, a, uh, what is the. Uh... Is there another size that's kind of close to the uh, the double robusto? Because I do like the. This is what a fifty six ring gauge. It's a fifty six, yeah, five and a half by fifty six. Okay. I think fifty six probably my favorite ring gauge. Really? Yeah. I thought that might be a, a little big for you. No. No. I I, I go all over the place. I used to be a a strictly uh, Churchill smoker forever. I just love Churchills. Yeah. Uh, when I started smoking way before I met, uh, which did this, and when I just kind of a casual smoker, I just go to the Robusto was my go-to size. And I kind of, after the Churchills, for a while there, I was all about the six, when this, the kind of explosion of 60 ring gauges, yeah. especially with the Myuzi weighs a ton. I just love those cigars. And then, uh, and then I kind of whittled down a little bit to the Corona Dobles, those big bastards. But yeah. then I started smoking smaller, you know, uh, Figurados and, and, uh, you know, uh, Corona Grandes, stuff like that. Yeah. I'm kind of all over the place now. I don't know if I have a favorite size anymore. I, I, I was about still- to say, I just started going through my list and this like Grand Perfecto, Grand Perfecto, Perfecto. And I'm like, okay, yeah, no, never mind. I mean, uh, my favorite size uh, is a, an odd one. It's the Fine Feral Pig size, mm-hmm. uh, which is a Figurado, but it's it's unique to that specific cigar. Um but uh, man, I just I smoke anything these days, really. Yeah. Uh, man, the cold draw. You guys getting a little bit of mint with that sweetness? It's I'm sorry, not sweetness. Uh, that was this, on the actual cold draw. I'm getting like a little bit of milk chocolate and just a little bit of mint. You getting that? 
chocolate, yes. Mint, no. Yeah, mint. I'm, I'm not, 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 not getting you there. It was very slight, and oh, could come from this beer. <laughs> All right, we live, we learn. Or in the TNCC's case, we we live and to get make, too drunk, and then we'll try it again. We'll make the exact same goddamn mistake. I'll, I'll buy this same beer two week, two shows from now. All right. Uh, well, as we light up. The next uh, segment, we shall introduce you to the beers we're drinking in the old days, pre-COVID, pre-shit show uh, that is modern-day America. Oops, that was not an American thing to say. Um, We used to be able to get together and hang out uh, here in the corner of No Hope, where I'm coming to you from. We'd sit around the table. We'd all drink the same beer. That way we can compare notes, uh, what we were experiencing with the cigar and its interactions with the beer. Um, but because we're uh, socially responsible individuals now, we uh, do the show from our separate locations, buy separate beers. You boys lucked out on that one tonight. Um, <laughs> and our resident beer expert, co-owner and head bartender at O'Brien's Irish Pub in downtown historic Temple, Texas. Uh, one of my favorite guys in the known universe, Cody Leshker, is going to introduce you, or as you know him, loyal fans and listeners, is Yak Boy is going to introduce you to what the boys are drinking tonight. But real quick, I want to know what that Tut, you just made a a very shocked expression after lighting up that cigar. Well, I mean, you, oh man, we cover so many uh, Nicaraguan based cigars that have that pepper blast. This was like, this was some sort of blast, but it definitely wasn't pepper. Uh, and so I was just kind of caught off guard trying to figure out, figure out what it is. And it's really kind of weird because it was like it was a blast of something, and then there was like this toast note that like was just there for a second and then went away. Uh, oh yeah, that that hovers and sinks right in the middle of your nostrils. I wonder if that's um, isn't the Pennsylvania tobacco uh, in the Neanderthal that gives it that the the kick in the balls? It's like a leaf of that special. Pennsylvania seersucker tobacco. Well, it's got some fancy name to it. It's not seersucker, but um, yeah, it's 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 definitely got a spice. I'll just say that that just really just sticks yeah. there, right? Kind of like a, a big glob of wasabi on your sushi. It just kind of burns. Yeah, you right? yeah. And then there is a little bit of a of a pepper to it as well on the on that retro hill, but not like yeah, man, that's weird. I like that retro hill a lot, actually. It's kind of making my eyes water a little bit. Yeah. Hey, they said the uh, extra uh, leaf of Pennsylvania Lajero makes it the strongest. I, I can I see that. I can taste that. Finally, some marketing that actually I'm smoking the thing and it makes sense. And I'm not just saying that because J.C. Newman is a sponsor of the Tuesday Night Cigar Club podcast. I just realized I should probably get that out there. Not that we would ever let that influence our completely unbiased cigar tasting palettes. Uh, man, I'm having, a, I'm having a hard time getting anything on the on the draw because that, that retro hail is so powerful. Yeah, yeah. I just, yeah, it's my my first experience with an American Puro, and it's it's an interesting one. Hey, like most Americans, it's kicking your ass. <laughs> 
Fuck yeah. This cigar is like The Undertaker when he rode the Harleys and wore the bandanas and all that. <laughs> I actually didn't mind that version of The Undertaker. I know a lot of people hated it, but I was like, oh. I didn't either. But then it was like he, he quit doing steroids and shrunk down and turned into Kid Rock. <laughs> that that I did not like. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, hey, I just got a little leather on the draw. There you go. A very uh, medium, pleasant leather finally kind of showed itself uh, separate from that uh, that insanely powerful but highly enjoyable. You know what? I actually think I actually paired my beer perfect because this beer is crazy, and I, I need the American badass to come in and take charge of my palate. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm also getting like uh, that that toast has come back for uh, it's sitting on or I'm not really sure if it's if it's on the draw itself or is it the aftertaste after you, it just kind of lingers. There's, there's a nice little toastiness on the on the palate after. Leather and toast, baby, and just a really unique, nice uh, wasabi like spice. But it's got some other little spices going on. Just a spice, a spice explosion in your nose. And honestly, I just took a sip of my beer, and for the first time, it didn't—it didn't make you do that O face. I didn't make. Hey, look, it's fine now. There we go. The American badass destroyed all your taste buds. You only taste the American badass now. We're always worried about the beers washing out the cigars. This motherfucker totally killed that beer. Thank God. Okay. We, all right, let's get the let's get, let's tackle the uh, elephant in the room. Uh, Yak boy, why don't you tell everybody what I'm what I'm drinking first? That might explain why. The oh, I almost picked that up. Icarus, adult Icarus, not kid Icarus, adult Icarus. Kid Icarus, of course, was a Nintendo game we grew up with, and this beverage is clearly for adults. It is. The adult Icarus is from uh, Ingenious Brewing out of Humble, Texas. Started back in 2018. Humble? Humble. Where's that at? Uh, just outside of Houston. Oh, okay. Uh, however, it is, if it is to be accounted for as a style, which is very new in this instance, it is a quadruple IPA. Well, much like Icarus, as an IP lo- IPA lover, I've flown too close to the flames. <laughs> I, I I love my doubles. Oh, I've had some good triples, but I pushed it too far, and my wings have burned off. I I I. I... <laughs> well, you'll you'll have to see. You are rocking in this. The sun you're headed for is twelve and a half percent. Now, I was confused, and it said there, the thing I saw was it was only at like 50 IBUs. I believe it. Okay. Um, yeah, this is not. Uh, what are the hops they use in the same? Did it say? Uh, they did, it was a, a mix of uh, like uh, Simcoe, Citra, uh, Cascade. The, the C hops. The C's. C's. Uh, 
Man, the first few sips were very uh, unagreeable. <laughs> it was very malt. I wouldn't expect. First of all, the aroma is not because it poured. I mean, look at that. It's not is a it hazy. Pours it, like a science experiment. Yeah, I mean, it's incredibly murky. Um, and it's kind of like when you're at a party and you all of a sudden you have to throw up and you don't have time, so you throw up in your <laughs> throw in your beer. Now I know that's not high praise. Uh, it's just it's just really uh, just <laughs> dark and and uh, not not the prettiest of, of beers, but the the aroma off the pour was just real malt heavy, um, like extremely malt, which was as a quadruple IPA. I, I was confused. Um, the first few sips were not. Good. It's it, it it's either settled down now or my my palate's been <laughs> been coated with glorious American tobaccos. I, I would put the IBUs at low forties. I wouldn't even say fifty. Uh, and really, it's a malt malt forward front end with just a really kind of warm orange juice back end and not a lot of hops. And I don't know if that's just so much alcohol in there is 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 just kind of mudding the waters. It's a lot of twelve point five is a lot for for an IPA. Um, yeah, I, I I would love to see this beer with a, a ramped up IBU. And I mean, if you gave me that maltiness and that orange, but also countered it with a really bitter blast of you know ninety. 85 IBUs. That, man, I want more hops out of this thing because because right now it's just kind of a murky. Uh, I don't know what this thing's trying to be. I will say this as a pairing podcast, if I could justify my selection. Our film tonight involves uh, volleyball, as we said before, a game, and Kid Icarus, of course, was a as you can see by the can here was a very popular Nintendo game that we all played as kids. Uh, but where some of us stopped playing games as kids, some lucky, fortunate, talented athletes get to continue playing games well past adolescence and high school, and that's where we join our characters tonight. So I went with the, the theory and the pairing uh, world of games, whether it be volleyball, whether it be video games. And then, of course, that thing I said earlier about me – as Icarus flying too close to the sun, as a that actually was poem. That was poetry, um, and I'm, I'm just going to go with that. Uh, it doesn't help that on the can there's like a little jar of booze on there with X's all over it. Like that's not a good sign. <laughs> yeah, but was there like a book on there as well with like three X's? Yeah, and then there's a triple X, like a dirty magazine on there. Right? <laughs> I don't know what's going on with this beer, but uh, uh, so, yeah. so far, I wouldn't recommend it. I'm liking it. I'm still getting a, a toast across the draw. The uh, the leather's starting to, to creep into that, that draw as well. Oh, but it's a mild, smooth leather. Yeah, yeah. It's very, very just subtle. Construction's great, man. It's got a big, chunky ash that's hanging on tight. Uh, drawing like a dream, as our friend Daniel Marshall would say. Uh, I'm just so thankful that we got a kick-ass cigar, to, or 
I'm not giving it the kick ass like the cigar is amazing. I'm just saying I'm glad we got a ballsy, strong. Hey, ballsy, our movie. <laughs> Girl, <laughs> girls with balls, huh? Um, I am getting a, a hint of sweetness on the over to the top of that retro hill as well. So you're getting the the wasabi like spice in the nose yeah, with a there's just touch. a little bit of sweetness coming sweetness. over the top. And then you're getting some toasted bread notes with leather on the draw. That is correct. I'm not getting the sweetness, but I can go along with everything else you said. Um, oh, wait a minute. It'll be very subtle. It's kind of like that leather. I'm getting a very subtle sweetness, but it's a vanilla sweetness on the back of the draw. It's almost okay. like a it's almost like a cake a cake icing, okay. Which is a good thing in case you're wondering. It's a flavor I enjoy in cigars. I've, sure. I've never met icing that I didn't like. Exactly. All right, uh, moving on. Uh, Yak boy, why don't you tell us what Tut's drinking tonight? The good Tut is having from Bear King Brewing out of Marble Falls, Texas. The Wandering Blonde. Mm. Wandering Blonde. We have a lot of Wandering Blondes in tonight's movie. That is correct. The Wandering Blonde, of course, uh, standard profile for most blondes. It's uh, uh, 5.4%, uh, about 15 IBUs. So, like I said, very typical. Falls right within those normal stats. Not very familiar with Bear King. They are very new. I uh, just opened up uh, back in 2019. So, I have to say I'm appreciating their blonde. Normally, blondes can be either uh, too nondescript or too malty or too malt forward, and this is just right. It is, I find them often either boring or yeah, un, uh, unusually harsh. Now, I haven't gotten the harshness out of a blonde, but yeah, I, I used to tend on the boring side. Uh, but no, this is this is this is just nice. Okay, uh, yeah, Bear King. Yaks, where's Marble Falls? Uh, Marble Falls is little uh, uh, in the hill country, uh, uh, west of Austin. Okay, uh, or actually south west of Austin. Isn't it weird we live in a state so big that? Half these beer, Texas beers we drink, I've never heard of the towns they're brewed in. But I'm sure that's mainly just because it's me and I don't, I don't really leave my oh, house. Marble Falls is a is a beautiful city. I have to go there sometime. Uh, that's probably around when I went down to Fredericksburg and Wine Country a couple. Yes, weeks. I probably Marble drove. Falls is not that far from Fredericksburg. I probably drove right through it drunk and didn't even realize. That is a distinct possibility. I might be wanted for a few things in Marble Falls. I don't even know. Uh, no, of course we had uh, we had drivers responsible. Always get fucked up responsible responsibly, folks. Uh, okay, uh, Tut, uh, you said it's not bad, mm-hmm. and I imagine it it's just really just keeping your throat from getting dry while smoking a cigar. Pretty much. Hey, sometimes that's all you want in a beer. Uh, I don't know why. I mean, I like I like blondes. No, I don't. 
I like cold, crisp beer in the in the summers, and I always like, oh, I'm going to get a blood. Oh, this, and it just no. If I ever if I ever do get that that hair up my ass to to go away from my PAs, if it's just ballsy hot, and I just want to, I always go half a buzz. Yeah, I, well, I like the, like the like especially if it starts cooling down and we get close to October. I always like the Marzons. I like the Oktoberfest. I. I like that going back to those Germans. Every now and then, I, I you know, I, I just like German pilsners, that classic, classic taste. But blondes are kind of like one of those you kind of fucked with a good thing, and now it's not a good thing anymore. Well, you keep trying, and you get points for that. <laughs> uh, Yak boy, I, I've seen all the Oktoberfest beers are starting to hit shelves. I'm going to guess you went with an Oktoberfest beer tonight. And you are incorrect. I blame, in, I blame the twelve point five percent beer. I was I was I, on fire. I was on fire tonight before I drank that thing. <laughs> I was I I just saw this beer and I was like, you know what? I'll, I'm going to get it. It the name of the brewery is the Wild Minds Ales. Wild Minds like Ales. like like coal miners or like mind mines. Okay, oh, Wild okay. Minds, and I figured. That worked well, considering whoever came up with our movie tonight was indeed a wild mind. But then the actual name of the beer is Tripping Hazard. <laughs> oh, that's like in sports. Exactly. In the in the movie, there is a number. There's of a couple hazard. of tripping. <laughs> yeah. So it all worked out. But I should have read closer. This is a fruited sour. Whoo. You, you realize you are our resident beer expert. I figured, hey, how bad could it be? It's it's not bad at all. It's orange juice. It's just it's I've just had some, I've had some good sours that weren't uh, totally you know blow out your your taste buds. Uh, I think we've done a few on the show. I think we've done a few. Sours. Well, and you know, like I said, had never never had anything from them. And this is not blowing out taste buds. I. The, the, the fruited part about it does counteract the sour, to which typically just, you know, you get just burns back here. But it, uh, it, it's very low. It's a four and a half percent. It has a, you know, low to no IBUs. But I mean, it is just that it, it's, it is very tasty. I, I won't lie, but. How's it going with the? I have to ask. I mean, that's a lot of flavor for your cigar to contend with. Oh, this cigar is like literally like. I always think like I'm not going to get enough, and then I take a puff, or then it's like I keep forgetting. I take a puff of the cigar, and it completely just wipes everything my palate clean of the beer. I was about to say that that just the retro hell alone is like a palate reset when it comes to beers. I don't know about you boys. Uh, I'm I'm approaching the the beginning of the middle third of the cigar uh that retro hail is not dying down i mean that initial blast was was off the charts but i mean it's still a full very full full-bodied uh retro yeah i'm still getting ni- that nice pepper that that wasabi hit coming through it but you know what leather just a tiny bit of that toast now but for me that toast on the draw on the back end has been replaced by that sweet kind of vanilla icing. 
uh, almost like a buttercream icing, which is an awesome. I, and that's a flavor I've gotten in some cigars in the past. But shit. okay, you have my interest, American. Um, all right. Well, that only leaves one element to introduce, boys. Actually, you know what? Uh, we're just talking about our cigar. Why don't I go ahead, speaking of cigars, and do this? Y'all know who makes some really flavorful cigars, boys? Drew Estate. What was your answer, Tut? Drew Estate. That's right. Our good friends over at Drew Estate. And one of their most flavorful offerings in their vast portfolio is the Herrera Steli Miami. Crafted by level nine Cuban rollers at the famed El Titan de Bronze on Cali Ocho, the Herrera Steli Miami line is expertly rolled with a lavish. Close. Yes, correct. Tut said I'm right. You said I'm wrong. Is it lavish? Now, I, now I'm questioning myself. Huh? No, I'm oh, I was about to say, I'm questioning myself now. I'm like, oh, shit. You were right. Wrong. You were right. I was just, I was teasing. I'm sorry. Bad joke. I've been fucking up this word for about a year now, every episode. But here's what I did last time. I was like, all right, remember this. It's not lavish like a lava lamp. It's lavish. So when I start to say lava, nope. The floor is lava. This is lavish. And then smart fucking yak boy screwed me up. It's just, it's just how my brain works, okay? The floor is lava. This is lavish. This is lava, which is the soap, right? Lava. Or yes. lava. I've heard it both ways. I think that's lava, which that's going to screw me up now. Damn it. All right. Anyway, it's got a Ecuadorian Habano Stero wrapper. It's very nice and beautiful. Uh, over, You think I would just have to be smart enough to replace that word with another adjective? It's not like I'm <laughs> contractually obligated to use that adjective. Uh, over a rich Ecuadorian Sumatran binder uh, with select fillers from the Dominican Republic and Nicaragua, the new look of Herrera Steli Miami features rich black and gold packaging and is available in five sizes. This tasty scar is now available at Drew Diplomat retailers everywhere, so go get you some. I'd also like to take a moment to talk about something very cool, Cigar World. Cigar World is an online site for cigar smokers. There you can get cigar news, reviews, and a whole lot more. Also on the site is a cigar research panel called the Testing Lab. You can sign up to give your input on new cigars by taking surveys and testing cigars. I'm going to give our viewers and listeners a little heads up. That's actually why the doctor's not with us tonight. He's in the Testing Lab crunching numbers. That place is blowing up. They've got so many users. The data is just pouring in. He's got his abacus, his Erlemeyer flasks. He's, he's got microscopes going. I mean, the guy is just overwhelmed by all the cigar data. And uh, like, a, like a true American, he's, uh, he decided to stick to his guns and not be here tonight. God bless him. Check it all out at cigarworld.com forward slash testing lab. All right, boys. Now that that business is all behind us, the film. Let's get into this bad boy. I'm curious to see what y'all think about it. Hear what you think about it. Well, I got a kick out of uh, Tut's, Tut's wife last episode. She's like, so what, what movie are you guys doing? Or what movie did Kate pick up for you guys? And he was like, uh, Teen Lust. 
<laughs> she was like, damn it, Cade. And uh, so I, I was wondering if I threw this out to you guys, if I'd get the same. Re- so what are you guys doing this week? What kid pick out? Girls with balls. Uh, actually, uh, no, we did, we did Night Drive. That uh, Teen Lust was two episodes ago. But I'm hoping for magic here because for some reason, I'll let you figure it out. Our Teen Lust episode has a, done about, I don't know, 200% the traffic. <laughs> <laughs> any of any of our other all those poor disappointed fans they're gonna be like this is a bait and switch no it literally says tuesday night cigar club podcast uh all these fucking horny dudes at home <laughs> sneak into their study at night youtube teen lust all right well, here we are hurry up i got 10 minutes before the wife gets home oh you fuckers <laughs> Gotcha. <laughs> so we'll see if Girls with Balls has the same effect for us. Uh, tell you, you'll appreciate this. It's a brand new spanking movie on Netflix. Yes, it is. Yes, it which is. makes our second movie in a row to come out within the last few months. Cade getting new school on us. Well, this is the beginning of our march to Halloween. Uh-huh. And I thought, uh, I, I, who knows, my memory is so bad, but I thought in the past maybe I had started our march to Halloween off with a horror comedy once or twice before, and uh, when I when I saw the title, obviously it, it piqued my interest. And then uh, it says about me. Uh, and then when I watched, it, I'm like, you know what? This this would be a fun kickoff to 2021's March to Halloween. Uh, I hope you guys end up agreeing with me. But uh, let's get into it. The screenplay was co-written by. I'm gonna do my best here. Jean-Luc Cano and director Olivier Olivier Alfonso, who is one of France's premier special effects artists. Okay, so I wanted to I wanted to double check. This was a French film. I knew it was foreign, foreign, <laughs> but I didn't know which country it was. Hold on a sec. This is where it gets interesting. Okay, first thing. Now Tut's brought up. This film is French. Okay. And it's available on Netflix in both French dialogue with subtitles. But if you just play it, it comes across in dubbed English. Okay. Which I didn't realize until a few minutes in when I started wondering why nobody's lips were matching the words. And I'm like, you know what? I made a movie once and I had like two scenes with ADR where we recorded the dialogue separately and tried to match the lips. And it was so much better than this. I'm like, how do these fuckers get this thing on Netflix? This is terrible. <laughs> like, these guys' lips aren't mentioned anything here. But, I mean, they have these, these perfect American voices. So then I'm like, all right. So I stuck with the English dubbing with English subtitles turned on, which was an interesting experiment, to say the least. I'll get more on that later. Yeah, that, that's how I watched but it. But once I realized... What was going on? The dubbing wasn't at all a distraction for me once I knew what the fuck I was I was watching. Yeah. Um, they actually did a really impressive job of making the American voices work over French actresses' mouths. I it didn't bring me out of the film at all. I don't know about you guys. Once once I got that once I got that yeah. into the spirit of things. Uh, okay. I just we, wish I would have known it was French. Otherwise, I would have switched over to the French language. I, I did watch it in the French. You did? I, yeah. I started it with the dub, and then I was like, no, nah, nah. 
Because I, I, Cody's got all that anime experience to where he's, he's used to, Cody and I talked about this, I think a couple of weeks ago. Because yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm having a hard time with the subtitles. He was like, yeah, you just, you see, you start seeing the code, man. You just start looking at your peripheral and seeing all this. And I was like, wow, man, you're going up, you're going next level on those. Well, this is going to be interesting then for you and me to compare to Yak Boy because I watched it English dub with English subtitles. So the subtitles that Yaks oh. read are not the same as the English words they said. That is correct. Oh, yeah. So when I'm talking about dialogue Yaks that you didn't read, you just have to trust us that that's what they said. Does that make sense? Or I could have just followed along in French. Francais. You speak... You speak. Uh, parlez-vous Francais? <laughs> That is one option. I, that wasn't one option I was expecting. Yaks to say I watched it with no subtitles because I speak fluent French. <laughs> I did not. I Jim completely. Yak boy. I, I have a problem a lot of times with the dub because you don't hear the actual actors. Yeah. Their own inflection, their own tone. You're you're going with that. Other act, voice actor who's filling in. Very, very true. But for here, I thought they nailed it. I, 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 I felt like I didn't lose anything from these actresses with the dub. I agree. There's, there's a uh, Jean. I was telling Cody this a couple of weeks back. There's a Jean Claude movie that just got released. That it's, it's also a French movie, and I was watching it English language with subtitles and there was this one character on there and all of it was delivered flat. All of it was delivered just very, very monotone, not very good. You know, there wasn't any very, there wasn't even very good acting. And then there was one character that I knew that this guy was just a character. I knew that he was delivering something. So I switched over to the French title and yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. So you can get, you get the emotional delivery of that actor, whereas the the dub didn't. But into to be fair, into Night Steel, Cade's right. They they did a good job delivering the. It was one of the best voiceover uh, ensembles of, of voice actors I remember seeing in a foreign film. Uh, it was really good, but yeah, okay. But we, I'm sure there'll be some discrepancies between, and you don't need to point them all at Yaks. I mean, they're 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 fairly close. It's just. I'll get into it later, like my theory on what happened in the in the dubbing process. But uh, we start things off with a lone cowboy hat wearing country western singer playing us an acoustic song about the sport of volleyball and the smoking hot volleyball team called the Falcons, who are the focus of our story. And he sings about how they're all doomed to die. Didn't we have in another movie a guitar strumming narrator that kind of took us through the film? Was it Zombievers? had like a dude with a guitar that just they'd go to and he'd just kind of sing a, a little ditty about what the action we were watching. There was something. Am I imagining that? Well, I know something about Mary did it. Yeah. yeah. This is very something about Mary, but but I could have swore we did another horror film where a horror comedy. I thought it was Zombievers that used this too. But dude, we talked about that five years ago. So yeah, it could it could have been it could have been. I I just remember the Zombievers opening. I thought was very cool. It seemed, but very, I don't I don't remember the the deal. It seemed but. very familiar. Uh, okay, so he's strumming along, and then we cut to the Falcons playing in a big tournament. 
uh, I'm guessing this is college level. Uh, these these girls look college college. Yeah. Uh, there's team captain Hazuki, bad girl with an attitude Morgan, good girl Jeannie, tough lesbians Tatiana and Danny, and the nerdy klutz Emma. Oh, and there's a blonde cutie named Lisa Lisi, dressed up as the Falcon, the team's mascot. Obviously, uh, she looks kind of like the Blue Falcon if he like got run through the washing machine. <laughs> uh, and I can't forget their coach, who's basically Nick Frost from Shaun of the Dead. And that's not yeah. a slam. That's not a slam. He does a really good Nick Frost. No, because I love yeah. Nick Frost, and uh, yeah, I love this coach as well. This guy's a lot of fun to watch, but um, he is the French Nick Frost equivalent. Uh, well, towards the end of the match, Bad Girl Morgan pushes her own player down on the court, the four-eyed geek Emma. And then Lee steps on her back to jump up and spike the ball over the net and win the big shiny trophy for her team. Team captain Hazuki does not like Morgan's selfish antics one bit, but the coach and everyone else is just jumping for joy. They're hugging each other and celebrating and, and they're just ecstatic with the victory. Uh, Jeannie's boyfriend, the team's trainer, Serge, agrees to take one of the injured players uh, to get help separately on the train after the game, while the rest of the team piles into their big RV and they head home as the fuming opponents who didn't like that final crazy move uh, try to chase after him to start a fight. Uh, do you guys ever watch a volleyball game? Can't say as I do. Uh, I watched it during the Olympics, got my fill of it within the first two days, and that's about it. My oldest, my oldest daughter uh, started playing volleyball last year, took a camp. Yeah. And she just started up a little more uh, involved this year. And, man, it's a little different, you know, when she, you know, she's fifth grade. So to see girls that are that age kind of uncoordinated and, it's, you know, trying to not just hit it and not make it go anywhere, but to, like, yeah. try to get it up and then, like, to have some kind of game plan. And, like, yeah, it's pretty – It's it's from a – from a play calling and like a logistic standpoint, it's pretty impressive what these girls can do. It's fun to watch. Uh, I, I actually enjoyed in the Olympics. I actually enjoyed the hard court more than I enjoyed the beach volleyball. Uh, the hard court where you get the five people on there and you get people like actually digging on a hard court. I mean, that I don't think that no, that hurts. Yeah. Uh, so, what was that movie we did about the genie where they where uh, Dean Kane was like playing on the beach volleyball teams? Oh, uh, <laughs> Miracle Beach. Miracle Beach. Remember that one, Dean Cameron? I knew we had featured volleyball at least five or six times here on the show. Dean done, Cameron's like, I'm trying to forget. We've done a lot of beach movies. There's a lot of beach volleyball going on. Um, I should mention also that a professional volleyball recruiter approaches Genie with his business card after the game. And when I saw the business card with all the French text on it, that's when it clicked finally. I'm like, oh, okay, here's what's going on. <laughs> finally, 10 minutes in the film, I'm like, okay, all right, here we go. <laughs> Expert film analysis. Uh, but if I was still so unclear. Falcons, a French word? Falcones. Oh, okay. But if I was still unclear at this point, as the opening credits played out in French, with aerial footage of their RV driving through the French countryside. 
I took oh, two a- years. I took two years of French, and I didn't even realize it was written in French. Oh, and there's a sweet French disco song playing, all with French lyrics. Oh, yeah. I'm digging the soundtrack. I'd like to think if I didn't see that business card, maybe now, 15 minutes in the film, I'd be like, huh. (laughs) Something doesn't add up. What I liked is they followed the RV from the sky, driving through the French countryside. How the guitar playing cowboy was still sitting in a lawn chair on top of the RV, strumming his guitar. Uh, I like that was a nice touch because uh, he is a complete third party. He's not involved in the film. They they never interact with this this guitar strumming goofball. Uh, well, Coach is behind the wheel and he gleefully slams the vehicle into a chicken crossing the road, which sends a huge wave of fresh blood all over the windshield, which makes Coach laugh his ass off. In the back, all the girls are horsing around. The lesbians are making out. And all is good until Morgan finds out about Jeannie getting approached by that professional scout, and she explodes in a jealous rage. Coach has had enough of their bickering, and he just gets up out of the driver's seat while the RV's driving and storms into the back. What I like is that I I don't remember who's riding shotgun, but she she takes it. Hazuki, and she does it automatically like she does this a lot. Exactly. Hazuki did it so well that you knew that this wasn't the first time. Whenever things get a little loud back there, he just stands up and goes back there and starts shouting at him. Um, but you know what? He cools him down. It works. Before he, before you know it, everybody's cheering. Go Falcons. Everybody's on the same page. Coach. All is well. Until that is, Coach smashes into one too many chickens on the road, and the RV breaks down. Um as they all squat down and pee on the side of the RV, including him, which I thought was weird. Do French dudes pee sitting down? I just think it was so funny. Or was he dropping a deuce? What was he doing over there? Could have been doing a deuce. I just thought it was weird. All these girls crouched down, and then he was crouched down. Well, if I'm the only guy in an RV full of girls, I'm not dropping a deuce in the RV toilet. This coach didn't really seem like he gave a shit about it. Well, they already established the RV toilet, and all the water was not working. Oh, okay. Uh, okay, well, who knows what... I guess maybe French guys do pee sitting down. That seems like... It. That tracks. Um, well, luckily, Danny, one of the lesbians, naturally, she fixes the engine damage. Uh, and as a reward, she only wants to see nerdy Emma's cooch. You know, just show me your cooch. I fixed the car. Just show me your cooch. Once the film and its tone are established, which is pretty quick here, uh, all of these very broad stereotypes work just fine for me as far as the girls' characters are concerned. I see these stereotypes so much in bad horror movies that try to play it straight. But here in a farcical comedy setting, they're actually kind of perfect for it. Well, what's funny is that uh, I totally forgot it's the March to Halloween, and I thought that you had just chosen a slapstick comedy. I thought... I thought, here we go. This is going to be like an up the creek. This is going to be, you know. Oh, you didn't even foresee the horror element. No. Oh, no. I just assumed because we talked so big about starting our March Halloween. But, hey, that was, the end of, that was the end of the show. You're drunk by then. You know, I mean, if they were going to do an up the creek, I would say this much. I loved just the opening sequence and the, and the, the, the credits rolling because it had that feeling. Yeah. yeah. So it gave you, so, you know, you, you'd already told me what it, what it was. So I was like. I was more surprised because I figured it would be a little bit darker in its opening. Nope. But that's why I, that's why I, man, I'm, I'm really on board with this, 
because I, I was totally, I was totally, this is a comedy. I'm watching the comedy. I am too. And, and, it's and funny. Here we go. Hazuki, the hard as nails team captain. Emma is the Velma of the group. She's got the glasses on, always, you know, falling over stuff. The lesbians are always fixing engine parts or, or, <laughs> or going at it or wanting to see other girls' coochies. Give the the uber bitch Morgan, who just starts drama every chance she gets. I, I mean, I've seen so many movies where these are done, and they, the screenwriter thinks he's actually doing something good with it. But this is actually using those stereotypes cleverly, and it works uh, yeah. so, far, so far. As the team loads back on the RV after taking whizzes, we watch them through the POV of someone's rifle scope. They're being watched, boys. They're being watched. What are you uh, keeping an eye on that cigar, uh, Todd? I, I'm a little over halfway through. Yeah, uh, same. I'm the uh, the toastiness on the uh, the I guess the toastiness that just lingers on the palate is just completely coating the palate. And I love that. Uh, I love toasty cigars. Uh, I, I'm getting pretty much all the same similar notes. Uh, a lot of that toast, uh, the nice subtle leather on the draw. Uh, I'm still getting, I'm not really getting that sweetness that I was talking about, the over the top sweetness on the retro hill, but I'm still getting that nice little wasabi blast. Brother, I am still getting uh, with that toast, that toast heavy draw. Uh, you're right. It has kind of become the dominant flavor on, on, through the draw. I'm still getting that vanilla icing on the back end of that, which is so delicate and nice. And then it's contrasting right right past the midway part. The wasabi spice picked up for me. It went back yeah. to its early its early goings with really strong. And I think that's just a great compliment to that toast toast draw that you get. You get that nice. <laughs> You get that nice toast draw. You know, you usually describe something as, you know, just vanilla toast as being like a vanilla type flavor, but it's not. But you get that nice little, that nice rich toast and then followed up on that retro hell on the next blast with just that wasabi power. It's it's a cool, interesting little cigar. And I will say around the halfway mark, that smoke production picked up like a motherfucker. The Corner of No Hope was filled at one point with thick, just gray, beautiful. It's got a nice aroma to it too. Mm-hmm. Just really thick clouds of smoke, which it doesn't really get that smoky in here. Man, it's just super, super uh, construction-wise. I, I love copious smoke production, and Yak Boy likes it when I use the word copious. I do. So we both win. Um, <laughs> are, is all this copacetic with what you're experiencing, Yak Boy? It is. Uh, except for the sweetness part, but I'm I'm gonna. I'm the only. Well, Tug, Tug got a generic sweetness. I'm the only one that's getting the vanilla aspect to it. I'm getting. I, I couldn't tell you if I was getting any sweetness from the cigar because my beer is very <laughs> sweet. That is the one component that this cigar doesn't wipe away. Yeah. When, when I take a puff, so it just. I almost think that this beer would go phenomenal with like a. A vanilla heavy stout, um, or even like a milk stout, maybe. Um, not a coffee. In, not in a, coffee a couple. Stout. In a couple of months, when it cools down, we'll try that theory out. Again, yeah. There's no way in hell. I, I'm only drinking quadruple twelve point five IPAs this time of year. 
I'm not a madman. <laughs> I'm only drinking beers that mimic water at this point. <laughs> but no, I, I, I actually think a, a, a creamy vanilla stout would, uh, man, would just go gangbusters with this thing. It'd bring, it, it'd bring that vanilla icing out even a little bit more. I, I actually agree with you. Uh, not only that, but it'd be a great compliment to that toast. Yeah. Yeah, that'd go really well, too. Okay. Uh, well, I'll come back to it. The team soon comes across a closed-down road and find themselves lost in search of a hotel for the night as ominous orchestral music begins playing. Now, I've never oh. seen French road closures, so I'm going to excuse this because my first thought was like, dude, who the hell's going to stop for this? It looks like some teenagers just threw this out there. Because it's like two cones and a, and a piece of rope around them. Yeah, so I was like, all right. Well, maybe this is the way they do it in the back country of France. Uh, I know we, the Tuesday Night Cigar Club, certainly would just keep on trucking through there. Yeah, we would. At that point, we would have probably everybody thought it was a road bump. What, what was that? I don't know. <laughs> probably just a drifter. Keep driving. <laughs> One of those chickens again. He saw all the blood. It's like that guy I told you I rode. I drove over in Marble Falls a couple weeks ago. I mean, oh shit. Wait, what? <laughs> I for, we're, we're recording. Sorry. 12.5 quadruple IPA. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, the girls are pissed and disappointed. They really wanted to get home that night, especially Jeannie, who was looking forward to screwing Serge later on. Everything's going to be fine. Everything. Everybody just stop screaming. Coach screams. You're the only one screaming, coach. They say calmly. Oh, yeah. Sorry. It's <laughs> really worked up. Yeah, coach only has one mode, and that is full screaming go, or or soft, gentle, like happy coach. <laughs> There's like zero and fifteen on this guy, <laughs> which was a lot like a lot of coaches I had in high school. <laughs> uh, which is why I quit sports. I don't have time for that nonsense. They eventually pull up to a rundown hostel. Uh, the lobby's filled with all sorts of mounted stuffed animal heads on the walls. And there's some really filthy, creepy dudes making sausage behind the counter. The minuscule, very eccentric-looking innkeeper hands Coach a glass full of mysterious brown liquid, which we just saw another filthy dude spit up into, which looked a lot like this beer I'm drinking. (laughs) I just realized that. Great. I'm totally thinking Goonies vibe, man. Because, like, you know, I was thinking that these guys were the Fratellis. Because remember, at this point, I'm still on slapstick comedy. The Fratellis were the French Fratellis. Yeah, I was like, this is the Fratellis. Uh, Or at least uh, Courtney Gaines in the Burbs. (laughs) Yeah. That would be, that would work. (laughs) Uh, Well, the girls are like, don't drink it, coach. Don't drink it. But me style, he's like, hey, be rude if I didn't. (laughs) Chugs it down. No idea what it is. Uh, He doesn't want to be rude. When the innkeeper starts winking and sticking his tongue out at Danny, her girlfriend, Tatiana, gets in his face and informs him that Danny ain't into sausages and neither is she. Yaks, sausages here are being used as a euphemism for penises, correct? Yes, that is correct. Did you get that in your French version? Yes. Okay. Okay. Well, things start getting tense between the team and these silent weirdos. So Morgan starts playing some dance music out of it's nowhere. It's called Wanna Get Free, the 2020 remix by Shaka Punk. 
How many times have you listened to that since you watched the movie? Oh, man, on repeat for like five hours straight. <laughs> and I'm sure you didn't picture Morgan dancing on this tabletop at all. Every single time. <laughs> Dudes, she starts pole dancing in the middle of this dilapidated old hotel lobby. Because that makes sense with the fratellis behind the bar. And she's so hot that even the non-lesbian girls on the team are mesmerized and like getting all worked up by her gyrating body. Dude, this chick is just smoking. Oh my God. Uh, But just then the innkeeper leans over the counter and licks Danny's cheek, which causes Tatiana to slap the mess out of him. This weird little horny goat boy comes up to try to grab Morgan. She slaps him. And the team is sent racing for the RV to get the hell away from there. At this point, Tut, are you still thinking this is a comedy? It's just one of their many stops on their wacky adventure? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. I love that. I actually love it. That's, what, that's why I love when you guys don't watch the trailer. Well, like, that's, I, I had such a good time with, uh, with Night Drive. What was it? Night, Night Drive? Uh, yeah. and, and Teen Lust going into it, you know, blind. I just like, all right, I don't know what I'm watching. I, this is, my, this is you, what I think we're watching. That warms my heart. I really encourage you guys when I, well, here's the hard thing too. I, I really love you guys not watching the trailer and discovering the movie just as it unfolds. Cause you get cool stuff like this where Ted thinks he's watching an entirely different movie than he is. The last movie y'all got three fourths into it before you realized that time travel was even a thing in the movie. But here's the thing too. Even if I were to send you guys a trailer now for a movie I was considering doing, <laughs> I'm not watching it. <laughs> so I got this brief aside to our, our viewers and listeners. I I had this, this I thought was brilliant idea. A few years ago, there's this big thing called Rick rolling where you would send people what looked like a harmless video to watch. And after a few seconds, the video would turn into the Rick Isley. I'm never going to give you up video. Apparently it was a huge thing, right? Oh my I God, br- you never knew about Rickroll until now? I had briefly heard about it, but I, I never got Rickrolled, and it was never really a, in my universe. But I got this idea about a week or two ago that, hey, it's died down now. Nobody's expecting it. I can start Rickrolling people. So I start sending videos to the, t- the Tuesday Night Boys. I got you guys a couple times. You did. But now when I send them actual videos for the show, like, Hey, like the director of tonight's film did a short film and I'm like, Oh, this would be really good for them to watch. Sometimes I like to give you all a little bit of background stuff. Sure. They, won't, they won't open a goddamn video. I send them cause they think yeah. I'm Rick roll. You guys think I'm Rick rolling you. Yeah. Yeah. Cried wolf too much. My friend stabbed by my own sword. Damn Never it. going to give you up. Never going <laughs> to let you down. Such a terrible song. By the way, I, I really love the soundtrack of this movie. They had they've gone from disco yeah. to that really cool little hip hop song. And whenever things whenever things call for it, they go to a traditional orchestral uh, kind of horror classical piece of music. Um, yeah, I, I I'm I'm with you there, Todd. Well, they pile in the RV and behind the wheel, coaches riled up, and so's Hazuki, who blames Morgan and her sexy hips for the confrontation if she didn't shake her sweet little ass all over the place everything would have been just fine she reminds morgan i ordered you not to cause trouble and that's exactly what you did 
I'm the team captain. I expect you to obey me on and off the court. Seems like a bit much to ask, but I never, I never played volleyball, so maybe that is a thing. Uh, no, my maybe, time. Maybe in French volleyball is a thing? Maybe, but this is my time now. Well, Morgan and Hazuki are about to get into it as they stand nose-to-nose in the back of the RV, and that's when Coach slams on the brakes and he yells at the players to shut the fuck up, all of them. I don't want to hear another fucking word. We're a family, a group, a team, goddammit, and we look like a bunch of little bitches back there. Man, this guy's meltdowns are so funny. He totally fucking loses it, and it's hysterical, and it does the trick. The girls finally zip up. I can attest to this as as a father of two daughters. This method of getting things under control of a situation, it ain't pretty, but occasionally it works. (laughs) I think I've told you guys on a few times where I've like, I turned into Tony Soprano with my four-year-old last night. (laughs) You think it's some kind of goddamn joke? Throwing strawberry shortcake across the room. <laughs> oh, oh, no. You think juice boxes grow on trees? Conserve. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. I I watch guys like this do it, though. Like in movies, I'm like, I got to cool it. Like, that's not, that's not, <laughs> that's not the right way to handle things. I think I've got better. That night, they all sit by a campfire and join a freshly hunted meal, which, of course, came courtesy of Danny, the lesbian, who both fixes car engines and hunts wildlife with her bare hands. She knows about survival. Of course she does. Morgan says that the last time she felt this stuff was when she was in the locker room of the school's rugby team and the girls all left. That kind of made her a little less sexy, right? Just a little? <laughs> not really. That's uh, like, no. no. Just give me some of my forget juice and it'll be fine. But they only get along for a few seconds before Morgan pisses them all off again by insulting the dweeb Emma and her lackluster volleyball skills. Then she goes on to insult everybody else because that's what Morgan does. So Hazuki declares the night over and she orders them all to go to bed and they all go to bed angry. So yeah, the team captain, not only does she tell you like what formation to get in on the court, she tells you when to go to bed at night. Yeah, no, no. As the lights click off in the RV, we pan up to the vehicle's roof, where our singing cowboy is seated under a desk lamp as he strums on his guitar and sings a lovely, lovely little ditty about these amorphous beauties who will tomorrow get punched in their titties. They need to watch their ears and not get reckless, or tomorrow they'll be on a hunter's necklace. It's all very on the nose. Yeah, but but, but yeah, watching the subtitles, those he sings a totally different song in French. Yes, because I don't it think actually, they, it, I don't think they yeah. actually I don't think they use the word titties over there. No, it just basically saying you know get your rest your pretty face, <laughs> don't take the hit, and because tomorrow you literally will get hit. I mean, so like it's still it's still very on the nose. But he's not rhyming amorphous beauties with getting punched in your titties. No, <laughs> they're like that's for the American audience. Those. You gotta those wonder who was doing the translation of the songs. All right, I hear what he's saying, but you know what? That was good, but it could be better. <laughs> what we need in this song. We're gonna t- dial this up again. I have a theory about 
the dubbing that Tut and I heard compared to the script that was written and the way it was in French, but I'm going to get to that later. And this is the first time that it clued me in. I was like, oh, okay, here comes some horror stuff. This is probably going to be, you know, very, very light, like Shaun of the Dead, you know, just real, real funny. More like, like a lot of horror comedies, more comedy than horror. Um, well, we shall see. Well, the next morning, the team is dragged out of the RV at gunpoint by a group, a group of gun-toting men with burlap sacks over their heads. And, and none of the team, coach included, seem too worried about any of this at all as they just kind of yawn and stretch. That's why I'm like horror comedy. Coach even offers the scary crew in Renaissance Fair costumes, his words, <laughs> the Ren Fair costumes. You guys wanted some coffee? When the creepy innkeeper emerges from the pack, petting his tiny little dog and wearing a feathered hat that looked a lot like Tut's hunting hat he wore over the weekend. <laughs> you mean stylish and acts, Am I right? It, it did. <laughs> it, don't, it dawns on everybody that these are the weirdos from the hostel. Coach casually asks the girls to apologize to these guys so we can move along, and the girls all offer half-assed sorries, which mostly consist of inbred redneck jokes it doesn't help that the coach laughs at all of them. <laughs> like he's he's not supervising this group of teenage girls very well. Uh, but when the innkeeper pulls out a pistol, yeah, what kind of gun was that? Holy smack! Yeah, I was not entirely sure. I just it was, thought it was it was like an eight-shot revolver, but the whole thing was like cylinders it was like a, it was like a, a blackbeard pirate gun well, i mean it was, those were basically known as like a pepper box yeah so like i mean it before like the advent you know for close combat gun i mean in other words you could just you know you, you fire it once and it just sprays like out multiple it's like it's like, like a, a handheld shotgun it's like a handheld shotgun okay um well, when he pulls out that thing and blows half of lesbian Danny's hand off, the laughter stops finally. And dude, it's, it's a great—it's a great effect. I mean, it's he, a gorgeous effect. Hey, the director is a big special effects guy, and he shows off his goods, man. Oh man, it was great, and it—it it got me go. It got me. It's like ooh, because all of a sudden you're up the creek, teenage tit comedy. Just saw half a girl get her hand blown off. <laughs> it's like. Okay, that was, that was, all right. So the coach runs off one direction. Girls, run! (laughs) And all the girls scatter in different directions into the woods. (laughs) The inbred rednecks climb on their motorcycles and the hunt is on. And by the way, I really appreciated that not a single bad guy in this movie ever says a single word. It absolutely worked for me. I liked, I liked these bad guys just not saying anything because I, I got the feeling that they couldn't talk or maybe okay. part of the, maybe part of their thing was, which we'll learn later. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Maybe a ritual that they've done is maybe to remove their tongue. Oh no, we see their tongues. I don't know, but they don't talk. And I was okay with that Yeah, because they're all very physically interesting looking characters. And especially the innkeeper does some really great uh, stuff with his face and stuff. They don't need to talk. I don't think. Extremely expressive. I also liked there was a little bitty shot that was kind of, it was staged and set up to where the camera pans around. Like when the girls take off running towards the camera, the camera jumps back like 20 feet 
to where you see the ring of outlaws. They got the bus in the frame, the outlaws in the frame. Nice wide shot. Yeah. And the, the lead, the ringleader, I can't, I guess the dad or whatever, uh, turns around to the camera, puts his arms out in a very grandiose style. Then here comes some four wheelers around it. I'm like, it's staged, it's choreographed, but it worked for me. And that's why I still wasn't letting go of the horror comedy, even though just what we saw is that I was like, all right, this is still stylized. It's still going to be some fun times. You know, this is, I like these characters, even the bad guys. I like the characters. And by Uh, the way, those hooded masks were scary. Those were like some, uh, uh, the town that dreaded sundown it was very much the town that dreaded sundown or the first Jason. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yes. The, the burlap sack over his head with one eye hole cut out, but it works. It's very, it's a very cheap effect. Well, reminded me of like the, uh, the, uh, the others or the strangers. The strangers. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes with masks, much simpler is, is much better. Yeah. It definitely worked here. And it works here. Cause these, these guys on the country, the French country, they've been living out, they wouldn't wear, you know, uh, trendy, any kind of cool mask or anything. They would just put burlap sacks over their, their heads. But, uh, yeah. yeah, you're right. Aesthetically, it's creepy. Guys, I'm almost. I'm, yeah, might as well. Yeah. Or might as well uh, wrap up the cigar. Uh, that vanilla sweetness has, has dissipated for me now. It's really just that really nice breaded toast note. Um, and so a little bit of leather on the draw, and then that that glorious kind of wasabi-like spice through the nose is just hanging on like a champ. Anything else? An, an American Puro from all three farms that we visited. How cool is that? That is effing cool. That is really, really cool. Out of all those farms, which was your favorite? All the farms, which was my favorite? Those three. Huh, I'm going to have to, man, that's that's a tough call because I like the personalities of Connecticut, but I'm going Lancaster. I, I really like that Pennsylvania farm. I like the whole. You read yeah, my mind. Those guys were very, very nice. I liked a, it. It was an old school family that ran that beautiful. It was the most beautiful scenic wise, scenery wise. Yeah. farm that we visited it was just maintained so pristine and then having those amish guys working there climbing up in those tobacco barns like spider monkeys hanging leaves yeah. up there i uh I, I would go pennsylvania uh connecticut because man foster that foster farm um and that that farmer's personality and the way he respected his workers and I mean, dude, they're pumping out the League of Nine Leaf, yeah. the H99 stuff. <laughs> Are you gonna argue that? The T52, like my favorite stuff is coming out of that that guy's farm. Um, and then well, he, everybody loves that dark oily shit. Loves you guys dark love oil. that dark oily shit. <laughs> We're giving it to you, you motherfuckers. <laughs> I love that dude. Um, and then and then uh, Florida for me. We only went to Florida once. Yeah. Uh, as, as opposed to two trips to the other ones, but uh, it was that's by far the newest of all three farms. Uh, and you said this was the 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 FSG was the wrapper on this. This was actually, according to J.C. Newman, the first cigar utilizing the Florida Sun Grown Tobacco from Corona Cigars Jeff's Farm. Um, I, and I, I'm going to go ahead and say this: you know, Drew Estate is our 
who makes the FSG Florida Sun Grown Cigar. Uh, they are our headline sponsor. But I, I'll go ahead and say it. The FSG is one of my least favorite Drew Estate traditional sticks. It's never really spoken to me. Uh, in the box press, they do do a one box press rendition, which for me smokes far more enjoyable than the other Vitolas. Yeah. I have not. Um, but I, I don't believe that's a, a Florida Sun Grown wrapper. I believe that just utilizes some Florida Sun Grown tobacco in the blend. Um, but yeah, I'm not a huge fan of the, the Drew Estate Florida Sun Grown. Um, I am a big fan of this cigar. Yeah, I, I am too. I man, but I, I, I and actually, I I didn't mind the floor the FSG at all. Uh, that's why when y'all are like, "Hey, do you want these?" I was like, "Yes, please give them to me." <laughs> um, yeah, no, I. Anytime you can balance something this forward spicy on the nose and that strong of a spice and that full of a bodied retrohale with delicate flavors like, you know, a vanilla sweetness that still is, can be detected on the draw. And then, you know, pair that with some, some leather and kind of core toasted notes to kind of keep it, keep it grounded and anchored to something uh, traditional. And it, everything just worked really well for me in the cigar. Yeah. Yeah. You guys want to talk price point? No. But we can. I mean, you know. It is li- this 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 Vitola is limited edition. Why? Because it's special tut, as we've just declared it special. We are cigar experts, so that checked out. But you have access to American tobaccos, mass producers. Yes, but tut. How often do we hear from Drew Estate? They're waiting on tobacco from the Connecticut farm. Like they're, they're these, these these companies are fighting over this. They can only grow so much. They're yeah, fighting. Yeah. They're fighting over this. All this right. American when you tobacco. put logic to it. And that's after a couple twelve point five IPAs. <laughs> yeah, but your logic still sound. You first, Yak Boy. Me first. And by the way, this is construction wise, I have had no relights other than yeah, once when I just didn't pay attention to it enough. The burn line has been no complaints, great draw. Um, and I mean, we've been smoking on it now for, you know, what, 90 minutes maybe? Yeah. Well, my instinct, my gut tells me. That the American would be priced at seventeen dollars and seventy six cents. I see what you did there. I see what you did there. Nice. But I'm gonna go in. Yeah, actually, you, you sure you don't want to stick with that? All right, fine. I'll stick with it. You don't have to. I was just be late. Let's stick with it. What about you, Tut? I'll go 1777. <laughs> He's playing the game. He's playing the game. I'm going to go 1755. The actual price of tonight's cigar. Seventeen dollars and fifty cents, dude. You were off by seven cents, Yaks. 
<laughs> pretty impressive. But you went over. You went over. So at that point, they should have just done it at seventeen seventy six. They really should have. Because look at the band. It's like all like bald eagle, American flag. Like this thing is drenched in America. <laughs> they should have just priced it that way. I was waiting for you to tell me when you open up the box, it starts playing the national anthem. Lee Greenwood, actually. (laughs) Lee Greenwood's in your humidor. He's following you around with the little tray. (laughs) Mechanical uh, voice of, of, uh, what's his name? Uh, The tractor guy, when you open it up. (laughs) Not Toby Keith. Not Toby Keith. Trey Sackins. Hi, this is Trey Sackins. Smoke this one, you son of a bitch. God bless America. You've decided to have a cigar. No, 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 screwed Trace Atkins. It has to be Toby Keith then. It does have to be Toby Keith. Um, I believe there are little bits of Toby Keith in every one of these cigars. Is that what's happened to him? Uh, That's totally tracks. Uh, Hey, man. We all loved it. And in that same, here's what I always, here's how I always equate the price point to. Yes, there are other cigars I could enjoy that are, you know, 10 bucks, some bucks cheaper. But I would go into a bar for the same amount of time I've smoked the cigar. I would go into a bar and buy two pints of craft beer for probably 18 bucks and not complain one bit and drink those over an hour and a half. How am I going to complain about spending that same amount on a cigar that I'm smoking? I can't look at it as, well, this other cigar or this other cigar or this. I, I if I pay, if I'm going to pay 18 bucks for two beers in an hour and a half, I can't complain if that's what the cigar costs to get those peculiar tobaccos. Well, you know, I can please do. Cause I'm going to be like, all right, you know what? I really enjoy uh, the Sculpin IPA, but that's, you know, that, that could be a bit pricey or I can go down to the Hans pills, which I also enjoy, which is a lot less $3. So there's, there's, you know, there there's is. some economy that you have to, have there is, to but as, as we've, as we've often said with some other cigars priced in the mid teens, if that's what the tobacco costs and obviously this tobacco has cost because look at the great cigars that utilizes it. Right. And that's where that's, all right, that's where my mind can start to justify the price is that when you look at the league of nines, you look at some of the Drew estates that do do it. Sure. Okay. That, that price doesn't seem so out of sorts. A, bul- a bulky, a, a heavy Corona Doble league of nine in a tobacco shop will run you 16 bucks. If you're lucky, probably more. All that oily shit. All that oily shit. But, I mean, this stuff has not only the binder from that guy's farm, but some filler from that guy's farm. But then it's also got our buddy in uh, Pennsylvania, his stuff in there. It's got that extra Pennsylvania leaf of Lajero. And then it's got Jeff's uh, Florida wrapper on there. And you know what? It's got the Made in the USA sticker. Dude, literally, the stick, the the label was made in the USA. The cellophane it was wrapped in were made in the USA. The, the cigar boxes were made in the USA. I'm on board. 
I'm a proud of fucking American. And actually, I am because there are so few. Is this? There, there are, are so few American Torah uh, Piros that I I don't recall one. The only well, the only ones I know are like the stuff that's that's pretty much you know Kentucky tobacco, fire cured, and you know the cheroots and the um, you know stuff that utilizes a lot of right more inexpensive American tobaccos. Um, as far as a premium cigar with what we've come to expect going into lighting up a premium cigar, I think this is it. And it didn't disappoint. No, it and actually I, didn't. And it's very flavorful. Actually, I mean, I, I, I'll say this. It, not that it didn't disappoint because honestly, because I wasn't a huge fan of the Florida sun grown and I, I hadn't really sampled a lot of those American tobacco expectations. I didn't really know what to expect, and my I, I kind of went into it with just impress me, and it did. Good on you, J.C. Newman. And I would love to go down to their factory in Tampa someday and see these things, get one fresh rolled off the table. Yeah. That, how, how cool is that? Not only, you know, Yaks and I, you know, going to Nicaragua and seeing all, you know, all this, just hundreds of workers and, and not to mention that, but the the tobacco grown, you know, how many different varieties of uh, and regions in Nicaragua the tobacco grown. I mean, to actually take the limited tobacco resources, cigar tobacco resource in America, and then have them r- rolled by American workers in an American cigar factory. I'm not going to let that influence my USA, 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 USA. I love this country so goddamn much. I'm going to go get vaccinated for a third time. That's how much I love America. I will as soon as they tell me that it's time. I'm going to go up. They're going to be fixing to jab some 80-year-old fucker in the arm and be like, nope. Give it to me. From the farm fields of Florida to the farm fields of Tennessee, Pennsylvania, Connecticut, you are a part of me. Yeah. Did you just write that? Yes. Trademark Tuesday Night Scar Club. Yeah, big time. You should really do it. I'll, we'll pull an MP3 file of this and send it to Jeff. I bet he'll pay a fortune for it. Uh okay. Well, I, I'm really glad that we like this cigar. Thumbs up. Big thumbs up. I'll give you two thumbs up. Okay. Well back to the movie. And uh and, and or like said, as the American badass would do a fist up. You're talking about Undertaker, not Kid Rock, right? Correct, Undertaker. Okay. I think Kid so apparently Rock's- according to you, there was some similarity. Well, <laughs> Undertaker fought dudes in the ring when he got shrunk down by the gamma rays and turned into Kid Rock. He just fought dudes at Waffle House. <laughs> Which I guess is kind of American in its own sad way we don't like to talk about. All right, well, let's get back to the film. Uh, the surrounding woods are all outfitted with speakers mounted in the trees, which start playing some more disco music as the hunters chase down their terrified prey. By the way, hot and horny, barely clothed chicks getting chased through the forest by cannibalistic rednecks is a genre subtype of horror invented by Americans. Of course it is. 
So once again, my pairing makes perfect sense. This may be a French film, but this film wouldn't exist if it weren't for Mr. Toby Hooper, a proud Texan, a proud American, and his film, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. If it wasn't for us Americans, Frenchie, you'd still be doing quasi-psychological thrillers instead of horror films. Exactly, Tut. Exactly. You're welcome, you Polanski-loving freaks. (laughs) Go watch some Jerry Lee Lewis. I do want to get that clown movie he did on the show, but it's going to take some work. Uh, Hazuki, Emma, and Morgan have split from the other four girls, and tough chick Morgan is way more scared and losing her cool than the other two. She keeps calling Emma a cunt over and over again and reiterating how much she hates her cunty ass. What a bitch this chick is, but she's so gorgeous. But here's the thing. Here's the thing, Yaks. I bet on your subtitles they didn't use the word cunt once. Am I right? They did not. Wow, it was all over the voiceover. They used it so much in the voiceover, but get this. It's not in the English subtitles. I think that the way their lips move, the actresses, whoever was directing these actresses, the American actresses to do the voiceovers, for some reason, the way it was written wasn't matching their words, but the word cunt just seemed to fit. That's always the problem with voiceover is that they don't try to just – do you, you know, say the a translation of the actual dialogue, they try to make dialogue fit the lips. You got to fit the, fit the lips. And for some reason, the word cunt fit these chicks lips really good because they use it a ton. It was a lot. But when I started watching the subtitles, I'm like, oh, this isn't at all in there. I just thought that it was like European because like uh, I know in England, it's not seen as such a it's such a bad word as it is in the U.S., yeah. Uh, so that's why I was kind of thinking. I was like, well, yes. Okay. Yeah, no. I, when I noticed the subtitles were different, I was like, oh, I bet. Again, I'll, I'll get into that whole situation a little bit very soon. Um, well, things aren't going much better for their teammates. Just as Danny has huddled them together and told them how she's a survival expert. and everything- Don't worry, girls. I'm the one. I'm a survival expert. I know exactly what to do. Everything is going to be just fine. The creepy innkeeper shoots a bullet through her forehead and then tips his Tuttle hat and smiles at the girls afterwards. Dude, that was very much a uh, Samuel L. Jackson deep blue sea moment. We got to stay together. And then the shark comes up and bites his head off. And it was nice, expertly timed because it made me jump. Oh, see, I saw it coming my way. Oh, yeah. I totally didn't. And I was like, ooh. The more she in, a, talk- in a movie like this, the first person who raises their head up saying, I understand what's going on. We can deal with this. Kill him. Kill them right now. I was like, her head's either getting blown off or something's happening. I figured it was the guys were going to come up and just like chop her head off or something. Yeah, that's like- what I thought. So we spend some time cutting back and forth between both groups of girls as they make their way through the woods, hiding from the sounds of angry hunting dogs which turns out to be just a recording played through the bad guy's megaphones they're carrying around. And still bickering constantly among themselves, these chicks. Oh, and then we rejoin an out-of-breath coach who's way, way far away from the action as he walks down a dirt road by himself. He's trying to reason out loud on how he didn't actually abandon the girls, although it may may seem that way. I, I got scared, I ran, but I'm the coach. They should have followed me. That's on them. That's not me. I'm not a chicken shit, he says. I'm not a chicken shit. 
Well, maybe I'm a little bit of a chicken shit. <laughs> they they totally encapsulated what I think that my uh, inner monologue would be. I, I think so too. Because you know, us three would have been hauling ass. Yeah. Which is why why we're not coaches of teenage girls. Well, that and yaks, you, you have several other reasons I won't get into. That's a joke I would have made towards the doctor, but he's not here tonight. So. Oh. Oh, sorry. so I'm the doctor's surrogate over here. I just And <laughs> throw you under the bus. I'm sorry. After Tatiana runs away to find help on her own, She's like, and I'm going to get help for Danny, my girlfriend. And they're like, uh, dude, she was just shot in the head. She's dead. I'm going to go find help for Danny. Uh, Lisey decides now's a good time to tell Jean that she had sex with Lisey, uh, with Jean's boyfriend, Serge. Not a good time. Never a good time. Just as Jean slaps her, they both suddenly fall down into a giant mud pit. Lisey asks, a very scared Lisey asks Jean where the hunters are because they can hear them. And her angry now former best friend fires back that maybe the rednecks are up her coochie and they might find Serge in there. <laughs> That's good. Jean has had it with this fucking whore. Her words. She's pissed. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. And just as she's about to slap the shit out of her friend again, two crazy disfigured hunters. Man, a lot of that. I wonder if a lot of this is, did they find dudes that look like this or was it makeup effects? Uh, I think it was makeup. One dude's eye is like two inches lower than the other eye. This other dude has like a horse mouth. It has to be makeup. I I desperately need it to be makeup. I I think so. Until that's confirmed, I'm not going to France anytime soon. (laughs) Uh, Well, they approached the girls from the top of where they slid down the mud. And these crazy disfigured hunters start taking a whiz down on top of them. They're pissing all over these girls. And the chicks are still arguing down there as they're getting pissed on. Once the hunters put their peckers back in their pants and move on, the ex-friends separate and run off in different directions. And it's not long before the kind of ditzy, clueless Lisi is captured. Meanwhile, Hazuki and Emma take on one of the rogue hunters with some of their trusty volleyball teamwork. They have a plan, like Hazuki approaches them, then she ducks, then Emma comes in. Uh, but Hazuki's fighting them, giving them some blows. When Morgan freezes up at the exact moment, she's got a huge tree branch in her hand. When it's her turn to club the hunter over the head and she doesn't move, Emma ends up saving Hazuki's life by blowing a giant hole through his torso with his discarded shotgun. And this is pure Peter Jackson, old school holes through the torso. Like you see her face looking through his through chest. The torso. Yeah. Uh, the gore in this movie is really, really good. And I think that's key to most memorable horror comedies. Lots and lots of gore. The more blood, the better. Look at return of the living dead. Mm-hmm. Evil dead too. Mm-hmm. I just mentioned Peter Jackson's bad taste, which was kind of the granddaddy of all these things. It's solid, slippery, bloody proof. The more gory, the more over the top with limbs and body fluids you can go, the funnier the shit's going to be. Yeah, well, I mean, I I kind of look back at a Turbo Kid, and even oh, though that oh, wasn't yeah. a horror movie, the fact that they just went very liberal with the effects, liberal with the blood, liberal with the gore, it just spiced it up, and that's the what what I was seeing thinking that was going on here. I was like, very very good. Uh, I loved it. 
so Hazuki has officially had enough of Morgan's bullshit after she didn't save her life back there. It nearly cost her life. So she does the worst thing that she could do as team captain. She cuts Morgan from the team. Mm. It's Morgan's worst nightmare. She's not a Falcon anymore. Well, Jean, now solo, comes across a campsite where a bunch of French Boy Scouts are sitting around the fire singing church songs. She begs them for help, but the scout leader scolds her for interrupting their song. When she tells them that she's being chased by a bunch of bloodthirsty freaks with bags covering their heads and they're all going to die, the bearded man just smiles and says, well, we're all going to die and the Lord will welcome us into his house as he starts strumming his guitar again. Gene tries to grab one of the little kids to drag him along with her. At least she can save one of these guys. But this prompts the scout leader to jump up and spray her in the eyes with bear spray. As she sprints away in agony, fuck, that hurts. The man grumbles. Grown man grumbles. Ugh, girls. That's who, you want. That's who you want sent in the woods with your kids. I was about to say, it is a scout master. Boys. As he tosses the can of bear spray to a blind kid and it smacks him right in the face. Oh, sorry, I forgot. That okay, that was totally uncalled for and totally funny. I'm sorry. I and felt then, so guilty. Of all he, the laughs in this show, that was my guiltiest one. Was that your guiltiest? I thought it might come later. No, that was that was pretty much But it. I, you know, I also took this as them also poking fun at the whole that whole thing that we've got with that problem. You, I, know, you don't think that's a universal problem? It probably is. I don't know if, if they have what their scouts are like. I mean, I, true. I, know, I know from my daughter being in Girl Scouts, they're international. They're in every country. Well, and, you know, cause I, take, I take this from the standpoint that they're basically making a movie that's an emulation of, of an American genre. It is, which, you know what? You might be right, Yax. Maybe they're playing fun at our horribly... Uh, no, <laughs> you silly America. I mean, our, I, I believe the Boy Scouts are now accepting girls because they got they're broke because they got sued so much for touching little boys. Um, I believe that's true. Uh, anyway, yeah, he hits the kid, the blind kid, in the head with the bear spray, and that that was a regrettably hilarious moment. Uh, and then he just starts strumming his guitar again. Ted, did you ever encounter any kind of crazy shit like this when you were in the woods with the Boy Scouts? No, no. In fact, if some hot volleyball player would have wandered into our camp, well, if, Morgan, have, if it had been Morgan, she would have had no problem getting the scouts to her attention and to follow her well, away. I figured the scout, it would be the scoutmaster jumping. Well, let's talk about this in my tent. <laughs> all the little kids have been like we'd love to get up and help you but just give us a minute uh, <laughs> I can't move I can't know I can't, no. move. I can't move and for once in the scouts I feel I don't feel guilty about this <laughs> um, well did you you're an eagle scout correct huh? uh no I was just no. shy just just shy. shy just shy okay maybe that last trip is where you would have run into some shit Maybe, maybe. Order of the arrow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Well, a few seconds back into the Good Lord song, two of the masked hunters appear at the campsite, and the scout leader is like, mm, kind of points in the direction of where the girls ran off. The men remove their hoods and thank the guy by blowing his head off. And I mean, like, literally blowing his head clear off his shoulders 
and covering the little campers in blood. <laughs> one of the guy's brain chunks soars into the hunt, one of the hunter's mouths, and he just starts chewing on it. What a fun scene, am I right? It was it was crazy. Are you at this point, Tut, willing to acknowledge as you're watching this that you're in the midst of a horror comedy? A horror comedy, yes. Okay. Because this is knees deep in horror. Like, it's balancing horrific things with pure comedy on a right. really on a really expert level right now. Right, but I'm still thinking that this is horror comedy a la Shaun of the Dead, which is more comedy than horror. <clears throat> no, I don't think you're wrong there. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you're wrong. The, the, best, the best horror comedies are not easily defined as either or. Well, right Return now... The, I'm, Return of the Living Dead makes me laugh more than it makes me recoil. Shaun right, of the Dead makes me laugh more than it does... But Evil Dead 2 has some of the most terrifying visuals and, you know, well, all this funny stuff is happening to Ash and, you know, let's not even consider Army of Darkness. That goes full-blown, you know, satire. But, uh, but see, that's, what, that's where I think that that is. I, I'm still that this movie is more in the camp campiness section. And uh, I actually move away from that later on in the movie. So I, I'm still... There's I, a, I have there, I've there gone a, from slapstick to light horror comedy to satire horror yeah. comedy, but the needle is still moving here. There is some interesting shifts coming up, but they, in my opinion, they never lose their their ground as laughs first above all else. But, right. But, but let's move on. Okay. Uh, by the way, speaking of moving on, Tut, what did you light up for your follow up cigar? Uh, the Tabernacle El Juanse, the wise man. Maduro. Mm-hmm. You like it? I still have not had a foundation cigar that blew me away. That's kind of where I'm at. I mean, it's it's good, but it's just not. It's just not blowing me away. That original El uh, El Juanse that we had when it first got released. Which remember it had so many flavors in it. It was kind of, kind of like this movie that was kind of like black. <laughs> it kind of blew us away. That was the best I've ever had, and I, I everyone's always like, "This is the one you need to smoke." And it's just, uh, if you ask me, like, what cigar brand are you most surprised by that you've never latched on to any of their blends? Seeing as Nick's history with Drew Estate and how much everybody else enjoys them, he, that company would be right up there. Like, I, I just. I haven't found it yet. I just haven't yeah. found that. Uh, I have lit up the Classico Hoya de Nicaragua. Mm-hmm. When we were in, we're talking so much about farms and tobacco rolling stuff. When Yak Boy and I were in Nicaragua, this is probably the cigar I smoked the most. Uh, they had them there at the Cigar Safari. They had a bunch of cigars there, but I just kept... Because we're drinking light beer, Tona, Nicaraguan Tona beers yeah. all day. And like, it's just a smooth, any time of day smoke. And I just, uh, I just, when I got back to the, when I got back here, I just kept wanting to smoke them. So uh, it's a perfect follow up to that, that powerhouse that was the American. It, this is a very creamy, mild, gentle cigar, um, which you don't think of when you think of Hoya de Nicaragua. But, uh, and of course, my beer is now, coming back alive and 
<laughs> fighting fighting this thing at, at every chance it gets. Um, okay. Well, that scene at the campfire is followed by another memorable scene as Morgan is pleading with Hazuki to allow her back on the team as the team captain rinses the blood off her face from a nearby lake. A hunter emerges from the water wearing well, a duck decoy. I hear this. Okay, so so I, I, I'm, I'm listening to this through my headphones, and I'm hearing the duck. I'm hearing the wah, 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 wah. And I'm looking, and I actually see the little thing. I'm like, well, that's kind of interesting. It's, it's clearly a, a plastic duck. And then when he fucking emerged, I lost my shit. I was laughing so damn hard. Well, I didn't watch it with headphones. I actually never heard the quacks. Did you hear the quacks, Yaks? No. I didn't hear the quacks. I wasn't paying attention. I didn't hear the quacking either. I kept looking on on the screen to see more pictures of Morgan. I did see the duck floating on top of the water at one point, though. So this guy, he's got like this green netting over him, and he's got a helmet with like a a duck decoy strapped to the top of his head. He pops out of the water and attacks. He knocks Emma down and out. He throws Suzuki in the water and he begins to strangle her and drown her. Only this time, Morgan grows some balls. Eh, girls with balls. And slices the bad guy's head off with a machete. And while the severed head falls in the water with the duck decoy still stuck on top of it, the headless body just starts walking aimlessly around in the shallow water with fresh blood squirting up in the air. Again, I, I thought it was kid, a, a Turbo Kid moment. And that turbo was Kid laughing. when that body is upside down inside that other body. Return Living Dead when they chop off the cadaver's head and it's doing the, the headless running yeah, around. Yeah. A headless corpse walking around will never get old for me. It's just funny. Oh, no, that, it was, that one was great. I was like, even I had to just, you know, laugh at the at the TV screen like, ah, it's still walking. Dude, they show him as they're doing other stuff. He just keeps wandering around out in the water, just squirting blood out of the dump. <laughs> it's just a gag that works every time. As uh, Morgan helps Suzuki up in the water, her team captain thanks her. But suddenly the machete Morgan's holding goes right through Hazuki's belly. Did y'all think that was an accident? I did. It the way, did, her, the way, it, the way it, she reacts, it, that that it seemed like an accident. It did. It did. It, I thought it was an accident. Morgan freaks out, apologizing profusely, asking Hazuki, "Is the pain is the pain severe, dude? Her machete has completely gone through her body." As the giant blade sticks out the back of her, when Emma begins to come to from being knocked out nearby, Morgan realizes how bad this all looks, so she pulls the machete out and shoves it through Hazuki again and drops her dead body in the lake. She tells Emma that it was the hunter who killed their leader. Man, Jeannie was stabbed in the back by Lisi sleeping with Serge. But Morgan, she stabbed Hazuki right in her goddamn guts. Twice. Still looks smoking hot. She still looks so smoking hot. You beautiful bitch. Why didn't oh. I ask? Why didn't I try to contact her to zoom in and talk about the movie tonight? Because we wouldn't talk- have had a show. We would have just been like, uh-huh. she's talking all French, and I'm like, that's brilliant. Oh man! The oh, you, of course. The way you stab, the way you stab Suzuki. <laughs> of course. Just, oh. uh, excuse me, uh, Joy de Vivre. Do you have any grape pollen? <laughs> 
We. That means yes. I'm just saying we have we have all these fat, sweaty cigar guys on the show. They're like, why don't I ever try to get any hot chicks on here? Yes. You guys are for that. I am for for this. Uh, I also enjoy the French fries. Oh, we oui, we. Oui. Although in America we perf- perfected them into curly fries. It's like stupid Americans shuts down our Zoom. They're not even French fries. We don't even have them. <laughs> of course not. Why is she talking like Arnold? <laughs> I don't know. Not even French fries. Just like I'm not even French. Oh, <laughs> that would probably would be it. She's like from Arkansas. <laughs> uh, okay. She's like, if we can hurry this up, guys, I'm supposed to meet Kid Rock at a Waffle House in 30 minutes. I'm like, oh, oh. God. But you're still smoking hot. This was a mistake, but you're still so hot. All right, you know what? I'll vote for Trump in 2024. Just stay on the Zoom. <laughs> Excuse me while I take this bucket full of my principles. <laughs> <laughs> Was she maybe one of the hottest chicks we've ever had in a movie on the show? She's she's gorgeous, yeah. Well, Tut, you might appreciate this, like me. Yaks, was her natural French voice? Because French voices can be kind of... No, I like them. Did she have a sexy French voice? I'm I'm guessing it was... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right, so now i got to watch this movie. I mean... no, to be honest, whatever it was, she said it wasn't going to matter because I'd just be staring at her like, uh, <laughs> she said words. Now i got to watch this movie for a seventh time. Great. <laughs> I don't get paid enough for this bullshit. Tatiana, at this point, has made her way back to the hostel just as the hunters are arriving in the Falcon's stolen RV. One of the men hears her in the nearby bushes, but she grabs a roaming kitty cat and holds it up within his vantage point, so he he dismisses the noise as a cat. As he turns away, we then see Tatiana hammer throw that cat through the sky as it squeals. Tut, I thought that would be your guiltiest laugh, not the Boy Scouts. I was still I was still cracking up, but the Boy Scouts trumped the cat. I know, as a cat lover, I was like, I wonder if Tut will laugh. Lee, you gotta laugh at that. Oh, I was totally laughing at that. I was totally laughing at the whole using the cat as just hard. Heard the shot of her behind there just <laughs> But dude, there's no reason there was no reason for that next scene when we see it just fly through the air. And Other than pure that, funny. And they put in that perfect sound effect. <laughs> hey. Am I right? They always land on their feet. I'm sure it was fine. Sure it was totally fine. Tatiana then crawls inside where some of the dudes are already grinding fresh sausage from her girlfriend Danny's severed arm. Here's what I understand. They've got the arm pushed down in the sausage press and they're grinding it, but they left her clothes, like her sleeve on. Like they'd at least rip her. Well, you've got the whole arm in there. You don't, that's a meat grinder, not a bone grinder. <laughs> maybe I'm over here having the technique. You can't do that. Hey, maybe you have French- chunks in there and little bits. Dude, you're talking like a typical American, thinking everybody does it like we do, and we have all the answers. Maybe they have Everyone that. Wants bone bits of bone in their in the in the sausage mix. Maybe they have technology over there where they can grind bones in volleyball jerseys. 
dude, it's like an old timey hand crank. He's just like, that would be so hard. Like, what? You know, I'm waiting for the other guy to turn around and be like, you're doing it wrong. Again, <laughs> you inbred son of a bitch. That would mean they would talk. They don't talk to each other. I know. Tatiana then sneaks out the back where she finds a rundown old Yugo hatchback and she almost escapes before she's attacked by one of the hunters. But after kicking his ass royally, she literally, I just, I love this. I don't know why, but she just gets the upper hand and she pounds his face in the car hood like 50 times. And then she stomps, stop. then she stomps on his face 50 times. And With then, a little twist on it too. And then, I always love this in a movie when you beat somebody's ass to dust or shoot them to death, whatever, but you've dominated them and then you spit on them. (laughs) I love that move. I did a a film in college, a zombie movie called smoke some kill. And my, my only thing I told the guy playing the hero after you kill every zombie, after every single kill in this thing, you got, I want a shot from under you as you just, Spit on him. And the real bad guys, you hawk a little, like, like, give him a loogie on him. There's nothing worse than kicking somebody's ass and spitting on him. Well, then she gets back in the car and drives off, but it's on a little ledge and it just nose dives in and crashes. She makes it 10 feet and then crash. I, I la- again, full bodied laughed. I was, no luck I was there. cracking up. Imagine that, a Yugo going nowhere. Was that a Yugo EX? It looked like it. Didn't it look like the Yugo? Or the, what was that, Le Car? Remember those? I think I think that was a Yugo. I think it was a Yugo. Well, French composer Philippe LaRue says that every great, memorable piece of music needs that one moment of madness. And I think it's clear here in the next scene that Girls With Balls does indeed contain that magical moment. We rejoin Coach as he's still walking down dirt roads away from all the action when the innkeeper's small dog approaches him. Coach tries to pet the tiny pooch. He tries to feed him a rock. He's trying to be friends. But the dog jumps up and bites Coach's balls and won't let go. Oh. We watch as the large man swivels his hips back and forth frantically as he screams out Bane. He then pounds a rock against the dog's little head but that only causes the pooch to clamp down harder until finally coach walks over to a nearby rock wall and begins humping his crotch against the rocks violently until the dog finally lets go. (laughs) Take that coach yells as he grabs the dog's body, one hand at the neck and one on the hind legs. And we literally see him stretch the dog apart like a piece of string. Like a stretch Armstrong doll from the 70s. Until it snaps in half, and we see it with dog blood splattering all over the coach's satisfied face. I realized for me, this inspired moment of madness elevated the entire movie quite a bit. Well, it ain't a great film by any means, it was so much better due to these occasional moments of insane gore and hilarious violent special effects, especially tearing this dog in half. But I, but the thing that just made, given everything else, it fit the coach's character so much. <laughs> like, what, the girls are facing off against these violent hillbillies. What will happen to the coach? 
a tiny fucking chihuahua bites his <laughs> I just I, I I've seen a lot of the funny dogs biting the crotch scenes in various movies, and this is the number one dog biting hey, crotch scene. There, I've there's ever seen. there's there's hardly ever been one funnier than uh, something about Mary, which we mentioned earlier, where Ben Stiller sliding across the floor with that dog that plashes dick. Dude, this this takes it. This takes it. The fact, and that- you're and you're right, Yax. It was. The fact that it was within the coach's personality, you could definitely see him doing all of this. The fact, though, that we got to see it, they didn't cut away. We didn't like get just a glimpse of him. Like, no, no, no. We saw that dog go from this big to this. It went from a chihuahua to a weenie dog. It was stretched out so far. And then there was just this horrible snapping sound. <laughs> As it just ripped in half. Oh, kudos to the special effects. But, I, but that's what I said. I just love it for the fact, like, it wasn't enough that he just grabs a dog and, and throws it. Ah! <laughs> I think Philippe LaRue would approve. I haven't brought him up in a lot of episodes, by the way, because most of the movies we've done lately haven't had that moment of madness. This this one called for it, in my opinion. <coughs> It was very, very good. I, I totally appreciated it. Well, Jean runs into Emma and Morgan as they all approach the hostel. Jean confesses that she left Lisey behind after her best friend admitted to fucking Surge. And both Morgan and Emma glance at each other with guilty looks in their eyes. Uh-oh. It's like that scene in the beginning of Predator between the Colonel and Dylan. My men are rescue team, not assassins. And they look at you like, oh, shit. So clearly, I expect this from Morgan because she's admitted she did the whole rugby team. But nerdy little Emma even screwed Serge. Everybody on this team has had their rounds with Serge. And way to go, Serge. <laughs> this is not a team. Apparently, they're not very team like. Yax, any regrets at this point about not volunteering to help out the Texas A&M Aggies volleyball team when you were back in school? Uh, yeah, lots. Thanks for bringing that up here, <laughs> asshole. Apparently, that's the place to be, my friend. <laughs> well, their reunion is cut short when they hear a noise, and that headless duck-headed hunter from the <laughs> lake blindly wanders down the trail towards them. Dude, his next stump is still screwed oh, is once this again, this, this literally, when I, the second time I saw this, that brought out the ha while I was watching it. His neck stump is still squirting blood out of the top of it. Here's where you know you got a good filmmaker. It takes, it takes a sharp mind to be like, we need to bring that dude back later. It's one thing to have that guy wandering around in his own scene, but then to bring him back, that's I good. Just, it, made, it there, made no sense, but at the same time, it was perfect sense to just—I mean, this movie is just going off the rails. I'm just—I just, I just oh. like it because you know, so, cut. All right, you got to go over to the forest scene now. Wander over there. To me, it was just smart comedy, and it, it's kind of like there's a lot of Family Guys like that where they'll introduce a joke in the first five minutes. And then in the last five minutes, that joke will reappear somehow. And you're like, oh, that's – see, I like that. That's clever when they always stay on top of the jokes and where else can we get it in. When he wanders down that trail, dude, I just, that was maybe my 
fifth laugh out loud moment so far, which is a lot for me. Yeah. You boys know what else I love besides bloody neck stumps shooting visceral goo everywhere? Good cigars. That's right, Tut. I love good cigars. You know who makes some of the best? Our friends at Drew Estate. Our friends at Drew Estate. Man, do I ever ever love those things. And one of their tastiest offerings is the Herrera Steli Miami, crafted by Level 9 Cuban Rollers at the famed El Titan de Bronze on Cali Ocho. The Herrera Steli Miami line is expertly rolled with a lavish. That is correct. Ecuadorian Habano Oscuro wrapper over a rich Ecuadorian Sumatran binder with select fillers from the Dominican Republic and Nicaragua. The new look of Herrera Steli Miami features rich black and gold packaging is available in five sizes. I've smoked the cigar many times. We smoked it on the show earlier this year, rated at 91. That is great. You like spice on the nose and cedar on the draw, delicious cedar, and a great balance between the two. You should really check this set one out. It is one of Willie Herrera's masterpieces. So jump in your car or jump online right now and get your hands on some. What are you doing? What are you waiting for? Go do it. But if you can't do it right now, if you're running low on funds or you're just stuck at the house, why not jump online and head over to Cigar World? Cigar World is an online site for cigar smokers. There you can get cigar news, reviews, and a lot more. Also on the site is a cigar research panel called the Testing Lab. You can sign up for to give your input on new cigars by taking surveys and testing actual cigars. Check it out at cigarworld.com forward slash testing lab. And say hi to the TNCC doctor while you're there. <laughs> My God, he's got so many Bunsen burners going right now. Just so much going on. And My I, God, he is doing so many experiments. Good God, he's got a lot going on. All right, boys, let me uh, just take one second and pour a fresh beer. My throat's getting a little bit dry. Perhaps from the 16 different hop varieties in this quadruple IPA I'm drinking. It's funny. uh, You guys saw my face when I took my first sip of the first beer. But as we often say on the show, four beers later, it's amazing how smooth smooth these things can, can get on you. Once you acclimate a little bit. Yes, you know, all right, settle down. Yeah, they settled down. <laughs> okay. So the three girls make their way to the RV parked in front of the hostel where Jean searches for her cell phone to, quote, call the police. Only she uses what little battery and cell signal strength she has to call her playboy boyfriend, Serge. Instead, he's already back home. To tell him that if she gets out of this alive, she's going to fucking cut his balls off and kill the fucker. Just then her phone dies. And Serge isn't all that, I guess it's Sergey. Sergey. Sergey isn't all that concerned about anything. He just heard from her because, get this, that wounded player that he took home on the train, she's about to give him a BJ in his living room. She's no Morgan. She's no Morgan, but she, I mean, come on. If you're going to have hold everybody to that standard. She was hotter than Jean. <laughs> I do like that. There's, there's something about when you can set a successful tone, you know, a lot of times, you know, doctor and I, I think we see eye to eye on some things that like when you can put, 
you always like in horror movies, you always tend to try to put yourself in those characters or respond Do- how they doctor, do. Doctor's big on that. But when you can set the tone as this is going to be an exercise in absurdity, you know, suddenly you're not you're not like, well, I would call the police instead of calling my my boyfriend there. No, ride the ride and have fun doing it. And that's exactly what this movie was delivering at this point. It's exactly why the doctor, one of his favorite movies is Return of Living Dead, which we featured on July 4th a couple of years ago. Of course, if it was the doctor, when he gets on the phone and you have an opportunity to call for help, you call the cops, you call the military, which this guy, which, you know, Bert, the owner of the, the, the well, I don't know. I don't know. he doesn't do it till the very, very end. Of course, but because the movie is set up expertly as a comedy, the doctor doesn't have those issues like, well, I would have done this or I would never have done this because it's all in the service of comedy and gas. Yeah. And if we cut out the what would I do's, you wouldn't have any funny movies because you would always do something that you that would lead away from the laughs. Yeah. 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 I, I think you're right. And I think especially at this point in the film, you know where you're at and her calling instead of calling the cops, we're in another horror movie. You'd be like, Oh, you stupid. How could you not? Like, it doesn't even register like that. It's like, yeah. it totally fits. And you just keep, keep trucking. Uh, that's a good point. The girls hear uh, a commotion from outside and through the RV's window, they see all the hunters returning to the hostel from their hunting trip. Morgan says we're officially fucked, but Gene, as the de facto team leader, now that Hazuki's uh, dead, says they are in fact not fucked because we're a team. We're the Falcon. God bless you, Ted. Thank you. What time is it? She asks Emma and Morgan as she puts her fist out. Game time! The girls yell as they grab hands and thrust them in the air. Go Falcons! The teammates burst out of the RV with a small arsenal of volleyballs and proceed to spike one hunter in the face after another, knocking the Frenchies hand-rolled cigarettes out of their mouths, each dude getting his nose broke by volleyball after volleyball, spitting up buckets of blood in slow motion as they fly backwards. Girls with balls indeed, eh, Tut? Hey, that is correct. Dude, it's just... These guys have crossbows in their hands and shotguns, but they cannot retaliate against this barrage of spiked volleyballs. I'm having fun. I am too. Uh, When there's only one hunter left and only one unused volleyball remaining amongst them, Morgan hands it to the sheepish nerdy Emma, who's always wanted to be a spiker. And she jumps up and spikes the ball gloriously and violently into the redneck's face. I also love the slow motion shots. Like, when these dudes would get hit, you'd see their noses like wobble. <laughs> it's really fun. It's kind of a cool little scene to watch. The girls jump for joy at their victory until that is. Imagine this. The men all start to get back on their feet and shooting at them. They're just hit by volleyballs. They're not dead. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's a very temporary uh, solution here. I love the quick cutaway to the one pissed off inbred hunter who, when he comes to, he takes out his knife and he stabs the volleyball and lets all the air out of it. Like you can't hurt me anymore. <laughs> like, I don't think they knew what volleyballs were. These guys, like you just kind of attack the, the volleyball. 
as the girls run for it, the butcher guy emerges from the kitchen, the one who's always in there making sausage, and he lassos Morgan's ankles with this big chain thing and drags her towards the crew of hunters while Jean and Emma are slow are somehow able to escape. We'll come back for you, they swear. Dude, the, the hunters, there's like 20 of them, and as she's getting lassoed, Jean and Emma were like 10 feet away, but none of them chased her. No, no, Emma. no, no. This, this is good. This is good. It's cool. We got the hot one. It's a comedy. We'll just let that go. Once they're in the clear, Emma tells Jean, because Jean just wants to head for the main highway and get help, that they can't simply run off and leave their teammates behind. Some of them may still be alive. Jean pauses and then agrees as they clasp hands. Again, predator style. In solidarity. Man. At this point, it seems like Emma's the true team captain here. Yeah, she's she's blossoming. Her faith is unwavering. Her commitment to the Falcons is above all these other chicks. Mm-hmm. Emma tells Jean, now that she's calling the shots, nerdy Emma, what we should do is split into two teams to find our friends. Jean looks at her. You mean two teams of one person? A confused Jean doesn't really know. And then Emma doesn't, it doesn't click at all. We'll have a better chance that way. <laughs> all right, that's six times I laughed out loud in this movie. <laughs> Hold on, I'm having a lot of your issues. Wow, success. Cut to the basement of the hostel where Morgan finds herself tied to a chair in the middle of the room alongside Tatiana and Lisi. There's severed human heads mounted on the walls, like on deer, like the little wooden things they mount deer heads on. Trophies. And a goofy hillbilly teenager is dancing around, flapping his wings in Lisi's falcon, ma- uh, falcon mascot costume. Despite Morgan yelling out that she doesn't want to be murdered... Imagine that. That doesn't work. Uh, That does indeed seem to be what's next on the menu for the hunters. As the hooded men, they're now all wearing white robes with a cultish red symbol uh, painted on their chests. Move aside and let the innkeeper, their team captain, if you will, rise from his throne. The guy's got a throne down there and approach the girls. His face is now painted white with that same red symbol drawn on his forehead. And he slinks his way over to Tatiana and takes the lid off a silver serving tray, revealing her girlfriend Danny's severed head. He holds up the head to Tatiana, and she's elated, can, telling, telling Danny, can I, I, can I, I, I time you. out? Sure. Okay, so here's where my ma- needle moves more towards the horror. Because you think this scene is so creepy. They did such a good job with this lair. They did such a good job with the set. I am like, holy crap. This is like actually bringing me back to Chainsaw 2. This is just weird. It's, and then when they, they, un, when they reveal the head of her girlfriend, I'm like, all right, this isn't just a horror comedy. This isn't just, you know, Shaun of the Dead, let's yuck it up. They've got some very, very legit horror stylings, and it's really, really good. It is, which, hey, if you're, if you're going here and this part of your story, why not go all the way? Just because you're a, comedy, a horror comedy doesn't mean you can't treat your horror just as with as much respect as the comedy portions. 
And, and I thought they did that in this oh, scene. Oh, they totally did. I'll, I'll say this. The imagery here is top-notch horror stuff. Great costumes. Highly detailed set design of this basement kind of cult uh, church down there that they've set up. And it would all be super frightening, like Tut said, if we weren't balls deep in a comedy at this point, And if we hadn't already seen that these villains under the hoods are kind of bumbling inbred goobers at this point. Well, especially, especially since my, my newfound respect for the horror genre dissipates in the very next scene. But I agree with you, Tut. I loved that they treated the horror aspect of this final scene with so much respect because it really does elevate everything. Um, but we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. He holds up Danny's head and Tatiana's elated. She tells Danny, the severed head, I've missed you so much. I love you. But when the hothead volleyball player notices there's a chunk missing from Danny's ear, she flips out, screaming she's going to butcher and kill every last one of these weirdos. She's going to cut their fucking heads off and shove them up their dirty asses. First of all, I wish the doctor was here because there's a lot of medical questions I have to have to that. <laughs> But also, it was weird in that we had no context why she was talking to this severed head like it was still alive. But her seeing that chunk missing from the ear also really upset the the innkeeper. Which like, was he the best thing about this. Scene. He didn't like seeing that somebody had taken a bite out of this chick's ear, and he got all frustrated. A peeved innkeeper sulks back over to his throne, crosses his legs in frustration, and kind of buries his head in his hand. He's pissed off. I love that. It made no sense, but it was really good. It was great. It made, it made me think, like, I have prepared this head. And so what he did was I cut the head off. I put it on the platter. I covered the platter. I set it off on the table. Huh. So while I wasn't looking, someone went over there and took a bite out of it. <laughs> Son of a bitch. And again, I think it's like, it you know, it's one of those. Don't eat the cake. I think it works because none of these fuckers talk. Because if they did, it would just turn into a bad impression of Texas Chainsaw Massacre with the dad being like, you goddamn, you ruined the head. Like, it wouldn't ever live up to that. So just don't do it. And what's great about this actor is he's so talented in physical comedy and just expressing all sorts of weird shit through his body movements and facial expressions. That comes across anyway. But the but exactly because I was about to say because they didn't go that way, it still lives up to the chainsaw massacre. Yeah. I think that this I think that this whole from here on out to the this whole insanity of this family down in this basement is totally massacre worthy. As aesthetically, yes, because as well, I mean nothing's going to match the original and the the, t- the first two chainsaw masters for as far as set design and details, but. As the cult members begin to all sway back and forth and they are spreading these incest things like, you know, they have a Catholic church around the room. Then we cut to they place Danny's head on a spinning record player that's spinning around. It's all shot. Like if this was if you just turned on this movie at this point, you'd be like, oh, shit, this is a hardcore, scary horror movie. Yeah. Yeah. But because we're in this movie, it, it plays a little different. But yeah, I mean, they. They nail it. They really do. And this is coming from a guy who loves horror movies. Like, I'd like to see this guy actually make a 
straightforward horror movie. As the innkeeper sits on his throne and sips scotch and watches the three girls beg for their lives, Gene has a has found a shotgun upstairs. And right as Morgan begs the cult leader to kill someone else instead of her, as he brandishes a is that a gas powered cattle gun, Yax? Yeah. It does it's a it's a bolt thrower. It it basically it's like they shoot cows in the head with. It yeah. shoots like a but it's gas powered, right? You fuel yep. it up with a propane gas and it shoots like a five inch spike out of it. Uh but he's going around kind of teasing all the girls with it. Um and they when he presses it up against Morgan's head, she begs him, kill Tatiana. Her head's much softer than mine. <laughs> what a bitch. Uh, all of a sudden, both the shotgun-wielding Gene and the armed-with-volleyballs Emma pop up and declare war. Don't fuck with the Falcons, they scream. What happens next is a very fast pace. Literally, they speed up the movie a lot here during the fight scenes uh, to where you see it in fast motion bloodbath where the captive girls break free and the five surviving team members kick a whole lot of hillbilly cult member ass while a rock and punk song fronted by a female vocalist of course that fits blasts on the soundtrack heads are blown off roundhouse kicks are delivered and many many volleyballs are spiked into (laughs) cult members heads it's all a bloody but comical good time as most of the robe cult members which were a minute ago, very menacing in the scary scene. Now they're just kind of stand there and wait to get beat up. But they're just kind of clownish. Uh, but again, it all it all works because they're basically just standing there to either get punched in the face or get their dick sliced off. And uh, I, I loved every second of it. I did as well. Okay. As Tatiana grabs the cattle gun in hot pursuit... 145 <laughs> episodes now. Are you listening, Guinness Book? I have mentioned the word, the words, hot pursuit of the fleeing innkeeper. He gets the hell out of there. He sneaks through like Scooby-Doo style. He sneaks through a little bookcase and gets out of there. We're going to have to find like some movie where they just sit and talk <laughs> and like don't go anywhere and see yeah. if you can still work in hot pursuit. So he will. He will. I get it. I mean, because even in that uh, Keanu movie where it was just all dialogue, you still were able to work it in on that one. Yeah, somehow I did. <laughs> if not, I'll work it into the promos. Like, boys, I'm always in hot pursuit of a Drew Estate cigar. <laughs> oh, that's damn. Cheat. That's, that's cheap. Cheat. It is cheat. a cheat. I'm not going to go there unless, <laughs> God forbid, I get put into that position. <laughs> Uh, how do you guys know I haven't watched a really good movie that would be great for the show and I didn't do it? Because- panned it because of the hot pursuits. There was no hot pursuits. <laughs> this is a bunch of highbrow crap. Got to get out of this one. I'm guessing we'll never do any Woody Allen movies. <laughs> not not a lot of hot pursuits in those. Uh, we'll do bananas. That that way you can have at least one hot pursuit. Bananas has some crazy stuff. I love that movie. <laughs> uh, well, get this: a car crashes through the basement wall, sending bricks and debris everywhere. It's the coach. It's back. He forgot about the coach. He came back. Only he hits the brakes too soon, and both car doors are wedged against the walls <laughs> of the basement, so he can't he can't get out of the car. They're. <laughs> He's like bashing on the car doors, trying to get out. 
finally, he crawls out of the shattered front windshield and joins the girls in fighting the remaining bad guys. And he's surprisingly a fantastic fighter. Oh, oh he's kicking ass. He's kicking major ass. Dude in a headlock, and he's just punching some dude with his other free hand. Did y'all it's notice crazy. that he hung the severed head of the tiny dog? That that? was actually what made it so much better. Tell, you didn't see just, it, did you? I didn't see it. I didn't oh, see God. It. He pulls out of the car, and I see him stand up. I'm like, yes. I missed it to Tut's to touch. I'm going to give Tut a pass because my first time I watched it, I didn't catch it. But then on the second viewing, I'm like, holy shit. He made a necklace and, and ripped that. And he mounted that dog head on his. <laughs> what I love is all of his. Oh, damn. We haven't seen that. his struggles. We don't know how he got the car, but we know this. After we saw him and he just ripped that dog apart, something in him snapped. And he said, this will be my trophy. <laughs> oh, something snapped all right. <laughs> it would be great if it was just like the dog's guts where he's like, uh, I'm a- that's what I was trying to see if he used the dog's intestines yes, as, yeah. as the necklace. That would have been really hardcore. Oh. It, then you'd have to kind of worry about it. It also, it also sets the precedent why he comes crashing through the thing. After that the little do- tiny fucking terror dog, I'm done running. <laughs> He does tell the girls that traffic was murder, which I don't uh, think was, that that was not in the French version, correct? Uh, it kind of was. Okay. Uh, well, Coach is getting dudes in Nolan Ryan headlocks and punching them in the face. He's <laughs> knocking one guy out after another with brutal clotheslines like a wrestler, and he's giving big throat punches right into dude. Like this guy's like a MMA. He's like a on fire. Uh, and while all the while, while he's doing all this, he's apologizing to the girls for abandoning them and earlier. And basically Tom, I'm, I'm a piece of shit. I'm so sorry. <laughs> also, the music switches now to a French techno dance song. <laughs> once coach gets swinging. And I thought that was definitely a good voice. And, and also the nerdy Emma really comes into her own here as she slices a bunch of heads off with her machete. Then she starts spitting on their corpses. You know, I like that. This whole nightmarish experience has done wonders for her self-confidence in a weird kind of way. She's a spiker now. Pure She's bloody damn. spiker. She's alive, damn it. She's finally alive. When Morgan tries to crawl into the car and leave her teammates behind and get out of there to fight by themselves, Lisey pulls her down off the hood. What about us, Morgan? Remember the team, she asks? I am the team, a cold-blooded Morgan says as she stabs Lisey in the belly with a knife. And somehow her makeup's changed. Yeah, like, so her uh, mascara has turned into this evil eye Raccoon eyes. It's all right. It's all right. Cares it works. She, she's total evil now. She's total evil, Morgan. I'm still for the ride, and she's still hot. She's still hot. <laughs> Jean runs over to her traitorous best friend Lisi, who slept with Sergey, and begs her to stay with her, stay alive. With Lisi's dying breath, she apologizes once again for fucking Sergey, and then asks asks Jean, "Disfigure that cunt for me." And here's what's weird. And we've mentioned this a lot, and I'm finally going to address it. There's been a lot of these instances prior to this that I haven't pointed out, but I'll, I'll go here on this one. 
In the English dub voice, Lisi says, disfigure that cunt. But the English subtitle for that line reads, fuck Morgan up. So I don't know if what the original line, I don't have any clue what the original line was in French. And who knows if the American voice actors worked off a different script than the subtitling service gave them, or maybe they just winged it and was like, hey, I'd rather say this. Or maybe they were directed by the post supervisors during editing to say different words and phrases that would match the actor's lips better, like we said. Who knows? There could be like four, five different versions of this movie, completely different dialogue. But I will say this. I was amazed at how well the American voices were dubbed into this. I, I didn't even notice after the first 10 minutes of the film. Right, right. Yeah, I, I totally agree on that. Masterful dubbing, editing. Not only dubbing to where it sounded natural, because a lot of time ADR, it sounds muffled. Right. Your, your dialogue will sound like this in a scene where you know it should be in wide open spaces. It sounded like they were right in the action all the time, and it sounded it matched the lips. It was that impressed me more than anything in this movie was how well they transferred this to an American Netflix movie. That's crazy, and not easy. They put the acting in voice acting. They really did. So as Tatiana shoots a spike through the innkeeper's laughing mouth upstairs, she finally tracks the little bastard down. Emma and Coach ward off the remaining cult members in the basement while Jean and Morgan duke it out nearby. Morgan finally gets the upper hand, knocking Jean down, and as she hovers over Jean's crumpled body, the bitch tells her that Sergei liked her on top of him, too. She even gives her a little kiss on the cheek, which causes Jean to spring back in action, headbutting Morgan in the titties, which stuns her, and then she headbutts her right in the face. They can all hear a storm of voices and moaning coming from beyond the basement's walls. Reinforcements are coming. So Emma helps Jean into the car as Coach swings that propane tank that was filling up the, get- the cattle gun. He swings it around to keep the white robe inbreds at bay and help save his girls. At one point, did y'all hear him say, is he not? Yaks, you wouldn't have heard of this. At one point, did you hear him say, as he knocked a dude in the head with that gas tank? You've been volleyballed? No. I swear I heard him say you've been volleyballed. It wouldn't surprise me. Which sounds like a very French thing to say. Like (laughs) That can't be a thing he said, though. And I rewound it three times, and every time I heard him say, you've been volleyballed. (laughs) It probably was. Uh, As they get into the car, Jean asks Emma about Coach, and she says softly and thankfully, Coach is playing overtime as they get in the car. Suddenly, the cellar doors burst open, and at least 20 more hooded hunters shuffle in the room and surround Coach. So he breaks open the top of the propane gas tank, flips open a Zippo lighter, gives a victorious primal scream. Boom. We cut to miles away as we see a massive explosion in the countryside from the safety of a paved highway road. We then pan down where the singing cowboy, remember him, is standing in the middle of the street singing one last tale. The moral of our story, as you can plainly see, protect yourselves from rapists by learning to volley. <laughs> God. 
The second moral, if you choose, when you're in jeopardy, when a fucker chops off half your leg, you can scooch off on hop half your knee. Our story is all over. The credits will begin soon. If you're worried about your nightmares, just turn on a cartoon. Till then, lovely ladies, a suggestion for yourselves. Don't start up conversations with jacked up freaks from hell. Falcons, Falcons, Falcons. He's strumming away. The end. The the screen actually kind of closes in on black on him. Were y'all waiting for Gene and them in that car to run him to over? Run him over. Yes. Uh, that's that's what should have happened. I kept waiting. I'm like, oh wow, they didn't do it. Like they should have shown that car run that cowboy over. They it totally should have. And I'm kind of like, maybe I respect them because they it was obvious and they didn't do it, but whatever but it's actually guys the movie's not actually over because just then the screen goes black on the singing cowboy but we hear a doorbell and then it comes back up and we cut to sergey's front door when he opens it in his open bathrobe oh hi gene did you change something about yourself he asks just as gene drops him to the floor with a well-placed knee to the balls we then cut to his doorway where gene Emma and Tatiana all stand in solidarity with pickaxes, machetes, shotguns, and they've all got a bandolier of ammunition (laughs) draped across their heaving bosoms. Would you say their bosoms were heaving yet? They were, indeed. The camera zooms in on Jean's face as she tells us, looking at the camera, or I guess Sergei, rather, to kiss his balls goodbye. The end. Good show. Good show. Damn good show. I enjoyed it. I, I, had oh, I thought you were talking fun about, ride. Are you talking about the movie or our show, the podcast? Both. Both. Good, good answer. Good answer. I thought you guys would have fun with this one. I, th- I, I sure did. And I was like, you know what? What? A, we've been hyping up our March to Halloween for a couple weeks now. And I was like, what better way to kick things off with a... Dude, horror comedies are tough. They're really, really hard to pull off. And if you can pull it off with French actors dubbed in English voices, that's even harder. (laughs) But this guy knows his effects. Uh, The special effects were so top-notch, so good from the, you know, Danny. And I think that was one of the things. To the fucking dog getting ripped off. All the head explosions, like the guy clearly knows what he's doing, but you can have all that stuff in the world, but without a, a good tight script that's well balanced between the horror and the comedy. And I think that always has to be about 60, 40, 60 comedy, 40 horror to make these things work. And they found that balance. And the fact that they did it and tr- somehow transferred that, comedy and that entire movie from French to English uh, really impressed the hell out of me. I agree. And I thought, I guess, like, like you said, finding that right balance and actually making it work that you weren't just a straight up comedy. Cause a lot of times, like I said, the, the horror will suffer because of the comedy and it didn't in this time. No. And, and, and 
it's such a delicate uh, kind of seesaw to keep it all to keep it all going. And that's why when you mention successful horror comedies, you kind of always go to the basics: Shaun the Dead, Return of the Living Dead, Evil Dead's a lot, a lot of Dead's in there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Peter Jackson's, you know, Bad Taste, Dead Alive. Uh, God, four out of five had Dead in the title. Um, but yeah, and honestly, it started, I think, when your attitude is, I've got this, and I know what my film is, and I'm going to call it Girls with Balls. I think that's a ballsy fucking title. No pun intended. I mean, I, I just think it's a, it's the perfect title for this film. Yeah, yeah. And hopefully if history repeats itself, much like our teen lust episode, uh, this will get us a lot of uh, accidental (laughs) accidental traffic. Uh, Not that there's anything wrong with guys looking for videos about girls with balls. That's a thing. Right here. Uh. So thank you folks for joining us on the uh, first edition of our March to Halloween 2021. We've got three more of these things at wait, least. Wait. Tut, why don't you give us some links? All right. So join us on Facebook, Tuesday Night Cigar Club. You can hit us up on Twitter at TNCCCast. You can join us on Instagram at TNCC underscore podcast. Uh, please subscribe to us on YouTube, uh, Tuesday Night Cigar Club. Uh, if you would like to buy some cigars, go to the TuesdayNightCigarClub.com website. Click on the Famous Smoke Shop banner. It'll automatically enter the promo code TNCC20, which will save you 20%. Or no, 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 no. It will give you $20 off uh, an order of 100 bucks or more. Which so is if, 20%. It is if you order exactly 100 it's a little true. less if you get a little bit more. Yeah. But uh, that's why I'm, you know, our, our lawyers are like, hey, you know, get your math right. And uh, anyway, so do that. If you want to do some shopping, click on the Amazon pan, do your shopping from there. And I think that's all the links. It should. Uh, we're trying to put more, uh, getting revamped up on Instagram uh, after a little bit of a lull. Uh, just put up our epic dove hunting storyline up there which was fun uh we always i always try to if we're out there doing stuff which we unfortunately don't get to do a lot together but i I try to keep things moving over there and always kind of keep you in touch with what we're smoking what we're drinking uh if the boys are out drinking something special they'll send me a pic i'll put it up there and uh so keep your eyes on that i think instagram is where the the heartbeat social media wise of the Tuesday night cigar club is, and uh, please visit our sponsors, uh, man, surprisingly big thumbs up on the cigar for me tonight. Yeah. Yeah. It yes, was a very legit much. cigar. Uh, anytime you can balance that type of, uh, prim- primordial badass, just no spice with so many, uh, you know, more delicate flavors on the draw. Um, I'm all for it, and uh, I, I really liked it. The uh, kid, or the, I'm sorry, the adult Icarus, <laughs> it grows on you. I mean, I'm... Well, it should, after five. five yeah, I'm five, I'm five deep on uh, this now. 12.5%, I had to slow down a little bit. But uh, they, they do get a lot smoother after the first three. <laughs> after they've sandblasted your taste buds, why wouldn't they? Yeah, 
I actually got a follow-up beer for tonight. I, 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 I stayed strong. I didn't go there. Uh, I got a couple of uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin's broke, Broken Skull IPAs, and uh, I didn't go there. Well, I had one pre-show, but uh, honestly, it was it was kind of boring. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to get a Stone Cold Stoner. All of a sudden, do 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 Breaks into the wall and just stuns me. <laughs> oh, you son of a bitch. You don't like my Stone Cold beer? What do you think about that, you goddamn son of a bitch? Like, Jesus Christ, man, that hurts. <laughs> I got to take my kids to school in the morning, you asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Storms off in his little jean shorts and black vest. <laughs> hey, by the way, Steve, nobody's wearing that shit anymore. Comes back and stuns me again. That's right, you son of a bitch, because I was an innovator. Don't tell me what to wear, you goddamn son of a bitch. That would be a that would be a fitting uh, end to a night where I drink five twelve point five of quadruple IPAs. It was actually a fine beer. I just want to make sure I say the, the Broken Skull was a very fine IPA. I'm going to revisit here on a, on a future episode. Uh, and I love Stone Cold mm-hmm. Steve Austin. My favorite wrestler of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Well, thank you guys uh, and gals for joining us. We will be back in two weeks. In the meantime, uh, may the wings of liberty never lose a feather. Hang tight. Be smart. We'll see you in two weeks. Bye. Oh, yeah. Sayonara, motherfuckers. So let me get this straight. Two episodes ago, the boys featured a movie called Teen Lust, which they promised me wasn't an illicit porno. And tonight, they dove in deep on a flick called Girls with Balls, which again, they swore to me had no sexual implications whatsoever. Seeing as how I'm far too busy to actually listen to these three-hour snooze fests the guys produce here, and also factoring in that I'm no longer allowed to use the internet due to, oddly enough, an online incident or rather a humongous misunderstanding involving hmm, girls with balls, well, I'm just going to have to take their word for it that I'm not actually doing voiceovers for a drunken porno podcast. Again, been there done that you know what let me just look ahead here in my notes to see what film they reviewed on next week's show hmm gang bang grannies volume 17 fort myers flesh fest hmm. okay then uh, that seems to be on the up and up Whew, what a relief <clears throat> to learn more about the cigars enjoyed on tonight's episode please visit jcnewman.com for more on O'Brien's Irish Pub, the live music leader in Central Texas, please visit O'BrienSimple.com and download their free smartphone app, where you'll find full beer listings including over 40 on tap, menu information, and a calendar of upcoming live events. To listen and purchase music heard on tonight's program, check out www.fritzbeermusic.com. Thank you for listening to the Tuesday Night Cigar Club Podcast. This is Keith A. Howell saying, until next time, friends, unless we see you sooner at the pub. So keep it smoky, and for God's sake, keep it ballsy as well. <laughs> <laughs>